This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. In Israel's war with Hamas, 12 more hostages released by Hamas in Gaza, now back in Israel. One day left of this temporary truce. Ten Israelis and two foreign nationals, no Americans among them today. In exchange, Israel releasing 30 more Palestinians from prisons there. And we have learned this evening CIA Director Bill Burns is back in the region working to free the American hostages. And is there any chance this temporary truce could now be extended? We're talking about a large Christmas crowd joined by potentially a large crowd of protesters. So the NYPD is going to take a multi-level approach to make sure everyone, thousands of people, remain calm and remain safe. But what does that mean for you, the spectator? Well, as I stand next to a ton of barricades, it means that it's going to take longer to get in and longer to get out. Midtown is filled with the sounds of carols, the smell of hot cocoa, the feel of good cheer, and a sight of a giant Christmas tree. But this year, add to the list barricades, limited entry points, screenings, and lots and lots of NYPD officers. The annual Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting is set for Wednesday night at 7, and just an hour before, at 6, activist groups are advertising another pro-Palestinian protest, calling it flood the tree lighting, and reminding participants it'll be a mobilization, not a celebration. Well, now to Capitol Hill, where this could be embattled Congressman George Santos's final week. A House Ethics Committee report accuses the Republican of using campaign funds for Botox, adult content site OnlyFans, and even spending more than $6,000 at the luxury designer store Ferragamo. The clock is now ticking on the brief, tumultuous congressional career of New York Republican George Santos. If they want to send me home, if they think this was a fair process, if they think this is how it should be done, and if they're confident that this is a constitutional way of doing it, God bless their is hearts. It a Democrats made the move on the House floor today. Representative George Santos be, and he hereby is, expelled from the House of Representatives. Forcing Republican leaders to bring the expulsion resolution to the floor within two days, with many of Santos's own GOP colleagues supporting his ouster. He said he won't fight it. Time. Why it's not whip some votes? Why not ask not, people? It's not a good use of my time. Former President Jimmy Carter joined by all living first ladies in an emotional tribute to his late wife, the first lady, Rosalind Carter. She was remembered as a woman who served our country with dignity and grace. They crowded the church in Atlanta to say goodbye to an extraordinary American, Rosalind Carter. And despite frailty and illness, 99-year-old former President Jimmy Carter was there. Once again nearby, his beloved wife of 77 years. All five living first ladies attended, along with former President Clinton and President Biden. In the light of what's happened in Israel and Gaza, uh, a song about nonviolence seems... Somewhat ridiculous, even laughable, but our prayers have always been for peace and uh, and for nonviolence. So, but our hearts and our anger, you know what that's pointed. So sing with us and those those beautiful kids about music festival.
morning, October 7th, as the sun is rising in the desert sky, stars of David, they took your life, but they could not take your pride. All the folks have been asking, what is Bono thinking? What is Bono saying? Well, if you're lucky enough, and I'm dying to go to see you two at the Sphere in Las Vegas, right there is what Bono is thinking. He is pro-Israel. He is with us. He's with the Jews. He talked about the sorrow. He talked about the anger. And he actually changed the lyrics to one of the greatest rock and roll songs ever, Pride in the Name of Love, off of that great Unforgettable Fire album from Shot Rings Out in the Memphis Sky, talking about the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., to October 7th, Desert Sky, talking about the Jewish people being massacred that uh, morning, Sukkot and um, Shabbos, all the way, no, Simchas Torah, excuse me, all the way back on October the 7th. So there it is. And I heard that uh, coming into work this morning about 4 o'clock. I saw the, the little video on Instagram, and I was like, oh, my God, how great is this? So Lewis, my man Lou Rafino, Irish to the core, how proud of you, Bono, you two. Once again, the Irishman stepping up on behalf of the Jews. I know a lot of times I've been called squishy and a lefty, <laughs> yeah. but this time the world needs a lot of peace and a lot of a lot of things to be thankful for and a lot we we can't forget what happened that day. That's a pretty good bottle right really, there, though. Can't pretty good. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, we'll continue going on for all of our sons. <laughs> well done, Lewis. Yeah, so there you have it. Can I'll, I have a pint down here? Now? <laughs> yeah. How cool was that, Norm? Was that pretty cool? 
That is pretty cool. Was that when was that from? Was it just the last couple uh, of days? Last couple of days, wow. I believe. I don't know the exact date, but again, they have a um what do you call those shows like Billy Joel had at the garden, Jim Brewer in Huntington. A, uh, a run. Uh, yeah, it's a read something. Uh, um what is it called? Uh, like a sit down. No, no, a, it's like a monthly thing. They call it right. a residency. There we go, yeah. residency. Yeah. So they've been doing this nice. thing at the Sphere in Las Vegas, and uh, this must be from the last couple of days. I don't know. We called it just getting down and playing, picking up the guitars, <laughs> yeah. and just like we're home. I'm going to play that two or three <laughs> times today because, folks, if you haven't heard, I am done after today. I'm going to take a little four-day respite. I'm tired. I really haven't felt well since the New York City Marathon. So I'm going to do this show today, give you an amazing show, as I do every day. And then I'm out the house. And I believe you'll get John, Curtis, and Andrew the next two days. Uh, they're going to do a great job. And I'm going to be back on Monday. That's how that's going to go. But i got to tell you about last night. So you guys know once a month I have these uh, these buddy dinners. And my buddy Keith Kantrowitz, Power Express Mortgage, He's the guy that started this whole thing. Now, I met Keith by chance at a Met game back in August. My big-time buddy, Anthony Carone, invited me to a Met game, and he said, by the way, Governor David Patterson and Keith Kantrowitz are going to meet us there. He said, fine. And uh, Anthony and I are best friends, me and Carone. But it turns out that night, me and Kantrowitz hit it off great. So now, for the last couple of months, we meet once a month for dinner, at some place in the city, and we have a really good time. So, for example, guys like Paul Carlucci, Mr. Fox News, had been there. Mark Simone usually comes. He wasn't there last night. But we switched the venue last night to a place called Casa Cipriani. Now, this is a really, really trendy, big-time Cipriani down by the Staten Island Ferry, by South Street. You know what, no place I'm talking about? Of course, yeah. So you got to be a member to be there. It's like it's like a big deal, you know. Not my uh, lifestyle because I just can't afford it. I'd love to be that guy. I mean, when I walked in, Todd Shapiro was sitting there holding court with Bruce Moser, great guy from Cushman and Wakefield, and uh, Anthony Carone is at the bar. They're all members, you know. And it's a lot of money to be a member, a lot. But um, Anthony invited all of us, uh, this specific monthly dinner, to the place, and it's an amazing place. Now, we show up, and me and Mark Oranger, Big Mark, and we see, like, hundreds of beautiful people, beautiful men, beautiful women, just beautiful people, all decked out. And we walk into this area, and there's a huge blue Jewish star, and clearly there's some type of huge pro-Israel event going on, which I didn't know about. And it turns out it was. It's called the Moonlight Gala. And they had it at Casa Cipriani last night to raise money for kids with uh, issues and to raise money for Israel. And it was a gorgeous, gorgeous dinner. And I think they raised about $4 million. So I saw Lizzie Savetsky there last night, for example, Eleonora Sruga and Jade Chan, all those folks. If you're pro-Israel, you were there last night. But that's not where we were supposed to be. That event was in the same building On a different floor, we were having dinner on the fifth floor inside the club. Me, Keith Kantrowitz, Arthur Idala, Anthony Carone, Michael Kemper, who is the uh, head of the transit police, terrific guy, by the way, Mark Oranger, and a few other folks. And then there was uh, two young ladies there, too, uh, nice young ladies, Eileen 
Jimenez, and uh, Shira. Shira was terrific. Shira's in the diamond business, and her father's a big deal in the diamond business. So, needless to say, she's got over 110,000 followers on Instagram, and she knew a bunch of people upstairs or downstairs at this pro-Israel event, and uh, everybody had a great time. It was a great time. The place is beautiful. The dinner was great. Like I said, we had the chance to go to the pro-Israel event, not even knowing it was in the same building last night. And uh, people like Shira and others really enjoyed it. Noam, you would have loved it to be there last night, but uh, you were in Jersey City. Yeah. <laughs> have you gone to any of these pro-Israel events yet? You know, it's funny. I was invited to this event that um, was a small group of people in this wealthy guy's house, and they had brought somebody in from one of the uh, kibbutzim where, you know, uh, so many people lost their lives, and he told their... St- is, is this the, the kibbutz that Abigail was uh, Yeah, I think it was living. kibbutz Barry. Yeah. And uh, it was this huge brunch, and there was like, I don't know, maybe 20 of us, and I wasn't even sure why I was invited, but I wanted to hear what this guy said. It was horrible and fascinating at the same time. And then at the end of the meal... He asked that each one of us that was sitting there hand over a check for at least $50,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. And I was like, you guys don't clearly know how much money I yeah. have in my bank yeah. account. By the way, I must say that the guy that actually got us all into this event, Minash Shapiro, who uh, is very, very high in the Eric Adams hierarchy. Yeah, I believe he's the deputy chief of staff. He's also a dear friend. He's at all of our dinners. He happened to be at that event earlier, came up to meet us, and then took us back down to go to the event later on in the night. So I must thank Manash Shapiro, who's a terrific guy. So I'm at the event last night, and I, I see Lizzie Savetsky. Now, earlier in the day, I got a call from Rich Rodabella. Is that his name, Lewis? You, you got close this time. <laughs> well, what's his name? Radabali. Radabali. So he produces Rudy Giuliani's show. So Giuliani wants to get Lizzie Savetsky on his show. It turns out that Giuliani, I guess, yesterday, the great mayor, he's going to join me coming up this morning, played a clip from Lizzie on this show a couple of times and was interested in the clip and interested in talking to Lizzie. If you missed the clip, here it was, Lizzie Savetsky, live in studio two days ago when I asked her this, I think, pretty pertinent question, and she gave what I thought was a good answer, although not everybody agrees. This is Lizzie Savetsky-Lewis, cut number 11. What's more important to you, getting the hostages home or wiping out Hamas? The Jewish people value life. It says to save one life is to save the entire world. They're prisoners. I don't care how old they are. It doesn't mean that you're not a terrorist just because you're under the age of 18, I've seen that video of 12, 13-year-old boys stabbing Israelis. These are terrorists. That's what they are. Um, and I, I struggle with this question. I am a mother, and I am somebody who values life. I don't want to ever see anyone suffer. I don't know if I would be able to live with myself hmm. if I said that our primary goal isn't getting the hostages out. Right, I, but, but, but these are all of our children. And I see every but I believe yes. that. I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke. I I see every child that is a hostage right now as my child. Okay, and good. I see every yeah. I see every Jew in Israel who is fighting this fight or suffering from this fight as my sibling. I would go to the ends of the earth to do anything I can for their safety. 
and it's not a rational answer. I wish that I could give you the rational no, answer that, that, no. that Hamas that Hamas needs to be dealt with first and foremost. But I I would not be able to live with myself as as a human being. All right, very nice answer. And so uh, Rudy heard that, and he wants to bring her on. So she's going to go on Rudy's show tomorrow. But I see her last night, and I say to her, I go, listen, it's not off the record because I've said it on the record. I'm a father, too. I've got a 19-year-old daughter, Ava, in college in Europe. Love her to pieces. I've got a 15-year-old son, Gabriel, high school student here in New York City. He's my heart. Well, I love my children as much as anybody in the world and would die, literally die, if one of them wasn't here. I get it. But as I said yesterday, you cannot make decisions if you're the president of the United States, if you're the prime minister of Israel. You cannot make decisions based upon this scenario. What if it was your kid? Stop with that. That's stupid. If it was my kid, I would do anything I could to make sure my child was returned safely. But there are 200 hostages. And the question becomes, do you, do you put thousands and thousands of people and years and years of history in jeopardy for 200 people? And the answer really is, no, you don't. That sounds insensitive. I'm sorry. But when you're a leader, you've got to make those difficult decisions. So I know we've got round six of the hostages happening today, another day of a ceasefire. But i got to tell you, I've had enough. I've had enough. Again, not my kid being held, I get it. But in the spirit of Israel, in the spirit of that country, in the spirit of moving forward, we cannot continue to have ceasefires and pauses and not kill these epping animals because we may get back eight or nine people. I hate to say it, but I've had enough. After today, I want to go in there and destroy, I mean destroy Gaza, kill all of these animals, Hamas, yes, innocent Palestinians will die. I'm sorry, you know what that's called? War. We didn't start it. We didn't show up on a beautiful Saturday morning raping your daughters and killing your babies. You started this. We promised to finish it. Now, God damn it, go finish it. You hear my point, No, I do. And I think your wish will come true come the weekend. It sounds like they're going to start fighting again, beginning then. So no more ceasefires, no more pauses, all this, all this nonsense, which, you know, every time we do that, Hamas wins. You know that. Well, they- we get hostages back. I understand that. And it's great to see kids reunited with their families. But Hamas took these hostages just so we would do this. Well, and look what they get back. They get back people who've committed crimes against Israelis. Right. Really horrendous crimes who are now back part of the normal population in, pl- in places like the West Bank and Gaza. That's right. So not really a fair deal. All right, we've got a big, big show coming up today. Great guests all morning long till Brian Kilmeade takes over at 10. Curtis Saliwa, Peter King, Rudy Giuliani. Monica Crowley and the great Bill O'Reilly all set to stop by today. This, ladies and gentlemen, Bono, you too, pride in the name of love.
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Being beat up and battered around. Being sent up and I'm being shut down. You're the best thing that I've ever found. This is the uh, Traveling Wilburys, and I believe it was Roy Orbison, Tom Petty in this group, and uh, one of the Beatles, the great George Harrison, and I believe uh, today is not his birthday, Lou Rufino, but his heavenly birthday. Is that right? Yeah, he died in 2001. So George Harrison is now dead 22 years today. Died at 58. Young man. Cancer, right? Lung cancer. Yeah. Yep. Just... Well, now we got lung cancer. You think you ever smoked weed? I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know how either. I was stupefied by that yeah. one myself. Yeah. That was strange. Mike Lawler is going to join us coming up at 645. Of course, congressman out of Rockland County. I guess he's suing him and three others are suing the governor. Are you familiar with this story, Noam Laden? I know some of the details of it. Well, what do you know? Uh, it's over the whole migrant thing, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I have no idea. Like he just asked to come on, and I said, okay, and I don't care because I'm going on vacation today. So, <laughs> so, well, so whatever the hell you want to talk about. He'll either confirm that or, or tell me that I'm totally wrong. But I think you're probably totally wrong. <laughs> it's, it's a good possibility. I don't know everything. Yeah, I think it's some other thing that she did. She's got this act out there. It's not the uh, the Clean Slate Act, but it's something else, some other resolution that she's put out there that he took uh, major offense to, him and three other politicians. So we'll talk to Lawler coming up. You know, people have been asking me this morning already, are you taking off the next few days to shoot your next movie? And the answer is no. Uh, there are two movies on the table, which I should be shooting in Los Angeles, probably January or February. One is That's Amore, which is written and directed by the great Nick Vallelonga. He won two Academy Awards for the movie Green Book. You remember that with Viggo Mortensen? And anyway, uh, this movie, that's Amori. He's got John Travolta, Christopher Walken, Catherine Heigl, Talia Shire. He's also got Dre DiMatteo, Willie DeMeo, Peter Gordio, and Sid Rosenberg. That's going to be an unbelievably fun shoot. The other one is Danny A is back. Danny A, of course, made Inside Man, the true story about Gemini Lounge, which is doing very, very well right now on Amazon. And he's making the next movie about those two mob cops from Brooklyn. And I'll be in that one, too. So uh, two different movies I'll be shooting in L.A., but I think in February. And then Gravesend, which is still doing very, very well on Amazon. I'm five of the nine episodes in season two. I believe Willie has us scheduled to start shooting season three in Miami in January. 
So I do have a lot of travel coming up for uh, for the acting business, which is back now that the strike is over. And right when the strike happened, I had a little bit of momentum because Gravesend and Inside Man both came out on Amazon this summer. And for some reason, all these really big-time seasoned actors, Armand DeSante, Chaz Palminteri, and others, reached out to me and said, you're actually really good. I said, stop it. No, Sid, you're really good. Then they must be right because now I've got more opportunity. So if that is not this four-day respite, this is just a mental health vacation. I'm tired. Israel every day since October the 7th. I mean, really, really emotional stuff. Out there doing a lot of events, speaking with lots of people, doing shows in this country, outside this country. I just need four days to do nothing, basically. Rest your tonality. Rest my tonality. Right. If I lose that, then I lose Kelly Ripper. No, that's one. I can't I'm, lose Kelly Ripper. No, you can't. She's the anchor of the uh, <laughs> whole compilation, I think. She is. Is she the anchor of that whole compilation, you think? Um, well, she started it, I think. I thought Did she... she start it, or was it Trump, Donald Trump? Well, Trump would throw those things in yeah. Yeah, each time, I think, you talk to I him. I mean, to Kelly... your point, of all the people in that compilation, which I think is now eight, Ripper is right by the very top for me. I believe her, Trump, and maybe Michael Savage. Although, John Voight, pretty big <laughs> deal. I don't know. Got him a big deal. I don't know why I brought that <laughs> yeah, why, why even bring that up? I don't know. Hey, uh, Noam, this is your girl. You booked her on this show twice. Caroline Glick, right? Yes. So here's what she put on her Instagram page yesterday. Hamas is offering all the hostages in exchange for a full ceasefire. In other words, if Israel agrees to lose the war and accept Hamas's survival, it will give us the hostages. If Israel takes this deal... Will be on the fast track to national destruction. She's a hundred percent right. And like I said just last segment, all these pauses and ceasefires, they need to stop. We need to go back in there and kill all these mother effers. Any thoughts on that, Noam? Are well, you gonna... uh, the, the psychological. Well, you're such a pussy. My no, God. I was going to say the psychological no. warfare is just awful. I mean, for no. these families, they you know they want to get their loved a... ones back. So you put up something like that. Yeah. Then the pressure is intense internally in Israel for them. To... There's no pressure. Just go kill everybody. No, well, there's, you're wrong though. There's a lot of Israelis well, who are pressuring them to make that well, deal. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm, not going to happen. Listen, I'm worried way. about Israel in 20 years. Right. Not Monday. Israel in 20 years will only survive if they kill everybody. The longer they do this, allow these animals to regroup. Now, a lot of those guys have been killed. Guess what? They put new guys in place. They are re-weaponizing. They are re-establishing themselves. So I hate to say it, but this is not about Israel next Monday, Noam. No. It's about Israel in 20 years. No two ways about it. Then you got to kill everybody. Enough of this nonsense. 10-day pause, 12-day pause. I'll give you eight people. I'll give you nine people. Give me 50 people tomorrow, and I'll give you a week. Give me 70 people. This eight, nine, 10 people thing, what am I, a jerk off? Don't answer that. (laughs) (laughs) That he has the answer to. (laughs) I don't think he's going to push you out on that one. All right, shut up. It is Wednesday. Time out for my weekly Tunnel to Towers update. My dear friend, the CEO 
of Tunnel to Towers, the great Frank Siller. Last week, folks, the foundation started its Season of Hope campaign. Today, we're going to hear about one of last year's recipients. During Tunnel to Towers' Season of Hope, the foundation pays off dozens of mortgages for the families of fallen first responders, Gold Star families, and catastrophically injured service members. Like U.S. Army SPC Maggie May Bilyeu. In early 2016, Maggie was struck by a suicide bomber, leaving her critically injured. After several surgeries, Maggie lost her left leg due to the injuries sustained during the attack. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation built a mortgage-free, ADA-compliant smart home in Texas for Maggie and her wife, Mia. Maggie's smart home gives her total use and access to everything in her house. It also allows her to continue receiving medical care while she returns to the outdoor hobbies that bring her comfort and joy. Stories like Maggie's make Season of Hope such a special time. To learn more about Tunnel to Towers and Season of Hope, head to T2T.org. While you're there, please consider making a monthly donation of just $11 to help fund programs at the Foundation Tunnel to Towers. Do good and never forget. That's right, folks. Never forget. Join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month and do it right now at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Just ahead of Mike Lawler and Curtis Sliwa. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. If they want to send me home, if they think this was a fair process, if they think this is how it should be done, and if they're confident that this is a constitutional way of doing it, God bless their is hearts. It a ne- it's a little bit funny, this feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide. I don't have much money, but... Boy, if I did, I'd buy a big house where we both could live. If I was a sculptor, but then again, no, or a man who makes potions in the traveling show, I no, it's not much, but it's the best I can do. My gift is my song, and this one's for you. And you can tell everybody this is your song. It may be quite simple, but now that it's done. I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind That I put down the words How wonderful life is While you're in the world So there we were, sitting at dinner last night Casa Cipriani and the band went on and played this one The Elton John Classic your song at 647 Wednesday morning with me, Sid. I'm going to be done after today, be back on Monday. You've also heard there from a George Santos, who's about to be expelled. I guess the Democrats expelled him yesterday. I think I heard from Hakeem Jeffries. So my next guest is a big-time congressman. I love this guy out of Rockland County. 
joins this uh, show occasionally. He's got a lot to talk about today. My friend Mike Lawler. Michael, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Sid. How are you? I'm okay. Let's start right there. George uh, Santos. Uh, clearly, he gave up a couple of weeks ago between you and I and now about a million people. <laughs> he texted me and, and basically said, I've laid down my arms. You know, Clearly, they made their decision. I fought the good fight, but it's over. And now it really is just about over. Yes? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, it sounded like he was playing the world's smallest violin there uh, in his in his remarks. But, uh, I, I mean, listen, this is a guy that's just unfit to serve. The ethics report that came out confirmed everything that uh, we knew and thought uh, with the guilty plea of his treasurer and a former campaign staffer. Uh, coupled with this ethics report, there's more than enough. Uh, there will be a vote on Thursday, uh, and he will be expelled. All right, so that now brings us to the next part of this saga, which is you may hate the guy, that's fine, but as I said yesterday to Peter King, no, not Peter King, Peter's on today, maybe it was Bruce, I forget. Uh, the truth is, George did vote with Israel, he did vote with America, so now we need a Republican who's going to go in there, a Republican, and do a good job. I think there's a short list of 12 or 13 people. What does that look like? No question. And and all of us are going to do everything we can to support the Nassau GOP, uh, Chairman Cairo and, and uh, my colleague Anthony D'Esposito out there. They're going to do a great job. They're going to recruit a candidate. I know they'll have a screening process. Um, and we will win the special. Uh, and I think... You know, you look at the November election results uh, this past November in the local elections. The Democrats ran on George Santos as the issue and Republicans swept out in Nassau County uh, underneath this district. So we feel very good about uh, holding this seat in a special. It's obviously critical, especially when you're you're looking at uh, important issues like Israel. Um, You know, last night uh, I had a resolution on the floor, a simple one. Uh, Israel has a right to exist, uh, and nearly every member of Congress voted uh, for it, uh, including members of the squad, shockingly. Um, the the bottom line is, uh, you know, there are a lot of major issues going on in the world. We need a strong Republican uh, majority, uh, and we need members who are going to be able to hold these seats in uh, next November, including out on Long Island. Uh, that seat is going to be critical. And so the sooner we can get a special election and win it, uh, the better. Mike Lawler joining us at uh, 6.50 on your Wednesday morning. So somebody sent me something on Instagram yesterday. may have been Margaret Powers. I forget. doesn't matter. And uh, what it was was you and a few other politicians engaged in a lawsuit against the governor who I can't stand. I hate her guts. Kathy Hochul. I'm not asking you if you like the governor or not. I don't care. What I'm asking you is, what is this lawsuit about? And it must be pretty awful what she's doing if you, Mike Lawler, and three other guys are suing the governor. What's it all about? Listen, she is the most incompetent governor uh, in the state. Uh, And last year, while I was still a member of the state assembly, uh, we filed lawsuit against her uh, and the state over these quarantine camps. Uh, They were basically trying to stuff into uh, the health regulations uh, through the Department of Health a a regulation that would allow the state 
to physically remove someone from their home and quarantine them in a state uh, facility. What? Uh, oh, so they, they can just they can just unannounced walk into your house and grab somebody. That's what the state reg would allow. And so we sued uh, based on a separation of powers that this is not uh, in the purview of the Department of Health, that this would require a, a state law passed by the legislature uh, and signed by the governor and not just, you know, some bureaucrat in Albany uh, making a determination on this. And so we won uh, in the lower court and Tish James and Kathy Hochul uh, appealed the decision. Two horrible people. <laughs> terrible. And the appellate division, uh, unsurprisingly, because they're all a bunch of uh, partisan political hacks appointed by the governor, uh, they decided that we, quote unquote, didn't have standing. Now, if state legislators, uh, and at the time I was, if state legislators don't have standing on the issue of separation of powers between the executive and the legislative branch, who in God's name has standing to make that claim? So it's just absurd. Uh, we're going to appeal it. Bobby Ann Cox uh, is the attorney on the case. She's done a phenomenal job on this case. Uh, but we're going to appeal it uh, and take it all the way to the Court of Appeals because we fundamentally believe, number one, this is horrible policy. Uh, and number two, it requires legislative approval, not just some bureaucratic hack uh, appointed by the governor, determining that they can physically remove you from your home. Fair enough. Michael Waller, congressman out of Rockland County. Even I was actually up there last Thursday, spent Thanksgiving at my niece Tamara, my nephew Lauren's house in New City. Love Rockland County, love the job that Mike does. So you came up in conversation yesterday with Curtis. You know, me and Curtis still break your balls over that selfie with Jamal Bowman, but the truth is we uh, we really do like you, and uh, you're a tough guy, and we need you. And it turns out these uh, cheating bastard Democrats, now they do this uh, redistricting stuff, and they do it just so people like you uh, are out. You know, Nicole Maliotakis, for example, may in fact be looking at a head-to-head matchup against that louse from Bay Ridge, Justin Brannon, and you may be in trouble too. Is that fair to say? Oh, no, no question. Look, these folks uh, are so disingenuous. You know, they talk about uh, protecting democracy and the importance of accepting election results. These jackasses can't accept the fact that last year they lost 11 seats out of New York's 26 congressional uh, seats because they ran bad candidates and they had a bad message and their policies are horrific. You look at New York, it leads the nation in out-migration. There's a $9 billion budget deficit. Crime is through the roof. The migrant crisis uh, has impacted New York City to the point where they're cutting the NYPD uh, at a time that crime is a problem. And, and yet their objective is not to have better policies, not to run better candidates. No, their objective is to redraw the maps after they were thrown out in court last year for gerrymandering. They, they tried to knock Republicans down to four seats. The Democrat-appointed Court of Appeals threw them out and said they were unconstitutional. They violated uh, state constitutional law and that they were gerrymandered. And so they appointed a special master who drew a fair set of maps. My district, Joe Biden won by 10 points. 
There are 70,000 more Democrats than Republicans. And I defeated Sean Maloney, the chair of the DCCC, despite Nancy Pelosi trying to spend an additional $5 million in the final 10 days of the campaign to defeat me. That didn't happen by accident. It happened because we ran a really good campaign and appealed to voters across the spectrum. So their objective is to redraw these maps. They sued last year. We won in the lower court again. The appellate division, again, a partisan hack uh, court, uh, ruled in favor of the Democrats. And now it's in the Court of Appeals, the highest court, and the Democrats stacked the court. They kicked out Janet DeFiori because she uh, voted last year to throw out the maps. And they and they try to put in uh, someone who who would uh, support them on this case. And then one of the judges recuses herself and they appoint a New York City judge for the first time ever to sit in and hear the case. It is the craziest thing you've ever seen, uh, all because they want to take control. Hakeem Jeffries is the biggest liar in politics. This guy stands there and he talks about democracy. And meanwhile, he can't accept the election results. And he's trying to usurp the will of the voters uh, so that he can become Speaker of the House by trying to gerrymander these maps and knock out Nicole, myself, Anthony. Uh, It's a total joke. What they want to do in my district, they want to take parts of Jamal Bowman's district uh, and give them to me. And then they want to strengthen Jamal Bowman uh, with parts of the Bronx. You know, so they're doing everything they can uh, to try and not only knock, you know, people like me out, uh, but keep lunatics like Jamal in. Absolutely undemocratic. Absolutely horrible. So um, should I feel relatively confident you're going to be okay, you, Nicole, and others in this? Or are we in a real battle? Final 60 seconds. The court, the court hearing was November 15th. Uh, we expect a ruling in the next week or two. Uh, I am hopeful. I am hopeful that uh, Judge Trotman uh, will understand that the Democrats, uh, what they're trying to do is not only a violation of, of the Constitution, uh, but that they don't have uh, the legal authority to do it. Uh, that they failed to file this lawsuit in a timely manner, uh, and that she adheres to the law. That's my hope. Uh, if if they rule against us and they order the maps to be redrawn, I will fight like hell to win my seat and keep this majority. Uh, we must have a Republican majority in the House. The policies of the Biden administration have been an epic disaster on the economy, on the border, on public safety. You see internationally crises in Ukraine and Israel, uh, China threatening uh, in the Indo-Pacific. We need strong Republican leadership. New York is critical to that. Uh, And so I will do everything I can to hold the seat next year. Mike, keep up the good fight, bro. Seriously, good luck uh, when this ruling comes back. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we love you here. So good luck. We'll talk again very, very soon. Great job. Thank you. Thanks, Sid. Take care. You got it. Mike Lawler, congressman out of Rockland County. They're trying to screw him. But uh, hopefully, hopefully justice in this case will prevail. All right, that wraps up uh, one hour, a great hour at that. Mike Lawler, thank you very much. Still to come on today's big Wednesday program, Curtis Sliwa, Peter King, Rudy Giuliani, 
Monica Crowley, and Bill O'Reilly. A huge three hours about to come your way. But first, some more Elton John, your song. get here, Liberty and Bell had to beat some tough odds in competition. They had to work hard to show patience and be willing to travel over a thousand miles. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance Tour or or, 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 or Britney's Tour. She's down in, it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. Look, folks, There's your idiot president who, in this one, confused Britney Spears with Taylor Swift, but that's the least of his issues. You know how many people have to make this point? You know I respect Michael Goodwin. I like him a lot. I respect him. He's a terrific writer. But he's a he's a Democrat. It's what he is. So he, he writes these articles where he criticizes Joe Biden, where he criticizes Eric Adams, and he wants a medal. The truth is, he doesn't criticize these guys enough. To criticize them, big effing deal. He doesn't criticize them enough. So yesterday, we had a fight. Literally a fight on the air. Because I said that Biden is complicit in these attacks on Israel. And I still feel that way. I don't care what he says how pro-Israel he comes off in his press conferences, he's in bed with Iran. Not just once, twice in the Obama administration, and now once again. Was there for the original Iran deal with Obama and Kerry, wanted to do it again. Has loosened restrictions, nullified sanctions, giving that country tons of money. That is called complicit. I don't care how smart Michael Goodwin is, what a good writer is. That's complicit. That's the definition right there. 
So I'm doubling down on that this morning. And I must have gotten a ton of messages yesterday, a ton from folks who were like, Sid, you're right. I don't know what the hell Michael Goodwin's talking about. If Michael Goodwin admits that Biden, in fact, has done all this, then he's agreeing with me. But yet he didn't. It was kind of odd. Anyway, talking about odd, my next guest <laughs> is here every weekday at this time. Gets big, big ratings doing the rip and read noon to one every weekday afternoon, overnight weekends, and then, of course, with me here. And he was the one, Curtis, who told me about this redistricting, which may come back and bite people like Nicole Maliotakis and Mike Lawler in the ass. That's why I reached out to Mike Lawler, who was on moments ago. And once again, Curtis, you're right on the money. You heard, you heard the cons- is that the wrong microphone again? There we go. Yeah, again. <laughs> yeah. Wrong way, uh, uh. Curtis Lee. Hey, microphone. welcome to WABC. <laughs> no, my fault. My fault. But I will tell you this. You could hear the concern in Lawler's voice. Oh, yes. There is a cabal. The Democrats have decided, hey, all the Republican gains when the lines were fair and square, you had a separate arbiter who actually drew the lines, made it a fair race. And all those races were close. But a lot of Republicans won, whereas they could not have won before. And now they've decided with vengeance to come back, wipe out Lola, wipe out Nicole Maliotakis, wipe out the Esposito, just basically clear the table. And that's why you and I, we got to rally around these folks, because without moderate Democrats and independents, they may not be able to hold on to their seats. And that's something I do really well. In fact, you saw that piece by Bob Capano who wrote, hey, it's time to rally around Curtis Sliwa for mayor in the GOP because he went district by district. Look, he beat Adam Sear. He had more moderate Democrats. He got independence here in that very district where Justin Brandon killed Ari Kagan. I had beaten Adams because I got independence. I got moderate Democrats. We got to help our friends because if they lose, that's it for New York. There's no hope left for New York whatsoever. I agree with you. So do you think they're going to lose? Honestly. The way the Democrats want to draw the lines, I know those districts well, Lawler's district, I know Nicole Maliotakis, it'll be a very tough uphill battle for them to retain the seats if the Democrats get their way. And right now they're on their way to victory. They, they fixed the court. This judge recused herself, won't even say why she recused herself. <laughs> it's like you put two guns to her head and yeah. say, you're going to sit yeah. this one out because you're, you're questionable. You know, it's like when the mob tries to fix a fight, right? And they go up to the three judges, and one of the judges is, I don't know. And they put the guns to their head, and they say, uh, you're going to do it our way, or you're going to be in a pine box six feet under. Talking about doing it our way, it turns out that your good, good, good friend, the man that you may be running against, who knows, in your next bid for mayor coming up, Eric Adams, quote-unquote, reassigned Brianna Suggs yesterday. <laughs> That's what he called it. What does that mean exactly? Well, Originally, he claimed that she was his main fundraiser. That's that's nonsense. She was 23 years old. Uh, she got involved in his campaign to become mayor. She really, all she did, accompany him to the fundraiser. She carried the booster bag. So if you wrote a check, Sid, she would take the check. Then she brought all the checks back to her office. She did the spreadsheet. Uh, she deposited them, make sure they didn't bounce. If they bounced, she'd come over to you and bounce to you. I, would you write a new check? Uh, yeah, she was basically a clerk, an accountant. 
And now she ain't going to take the rap because the FBI raided her location. And naturally, Eric goes, that's my number one fundraiser. I have implicit support for her the rest of the way. And yesterday at his once-a-week-only press conference, only one press conference a week, he said, well, she's no longer part of my campaign team. And then we find out that the lawyer that he had gotten her so that she wouldn't drop time on him, uh, she has now decided to go her separate way smart and get her own attorney because, let's face it, the attorneys that Eric Adams would get for her would in no way, shape, or form endanger her Medici, Eric Adams. Now she's going to go before the grand jury. She's not going to be wanting to do any serious time. And she's going to give up Eric Adams. I'm telling you, he's the target of this investigation. I've been telling you, Sid, and everybody else about this since the beginning. So on that day that her home was raided on Lincoln Place in Crown Heights, the FBI did 12 other raids that very day. Didn't I tell you that? You did tell me that, and yes. And people like Norm Layden, oh, I can't beat him up. HR contacted me and said, Norm Layden has had a lobotomy. Be nice to him. <laughs> Stop beating him up. Yeah. Uh, Norm Layden, John Dist, uh, James Flip. Oh, what do you mean a dozen other? A dozen other No, you raids. were right. You were right. But here's where you're going to be wrong. So last night at my monthly buddy guy dinner, with the great Keith Kantrowitz and um, Anthony Carone. I love Anthony Carone like a brother. I don't care what you think about him. I, don't, I really don't. I love him. Um, we had a nice uh, group of guys, Arthur Idala. We had uh, other folks as well. But uh, Mike Kemper, I happen to like Mike Kemper a lot. He is the head of uh, the Chief of Transit. I believe the most decorated Jewish cop in the history of the NYPD. He is what we call a mensch. And his wife, Marilyn, is lovely too. And we had a great dinner last night, but the first thing I said to him was, you know, me and Curtis are talking today about this potential for these pro-Palestinian animals, which is what they are, animals, showing up at the Rockefeller Center tree lighting tonight. They've already warned people. They're amassing in big numbers. They've got flyers out there that they are coming tonight to cause a stir. And he said, Sid, look at me. It ain't going to happen they're not getting anywhere near the tree. There ain't going to be no stir. Take it from me. Michael Kemper, I love dearly. It ain't going to happen. What is he going to assign? The robot that's part of the transit police at 42nd Times. Hey, Mike Kepler, how's that robot working out where you have to assign two cops to protect the robot from being vandalized, desecrated, and thrown in front of a moving train? Hey, forget Kempler. He's a little pisser. What do you mean, Kempler? There's no L in his name. Whatever the Michael hell his name Kemper. Is. Yeah, I remember him from the 75th precinct. I'm talking about no cojones caban. No cojones caban. That's my friend, the uh, commissioner, yeah, Eddie Caban. Yeah, he He's a good be guy. Your Wait a second. Wait a second. When Keyshawn Sewell was leaving, yes. and now she started her job with the Mets, good yes. luck to her, Yes, he was the first guy you wanted to get exactly. the job. And I made a horrible mistake. You see, what? Like, uh, 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 look at this. Your Palestinian enemies have been running all over the streets. They took over the Manhattan Bridge. They took over the Brooklyn Bridge. They desecrated the Fifth Avenue Library, and they put it right on the Jewish guy's benefactor's name from uh, Blackstone, who donated all that money for the Fifth Avenue Library. 
they're Jews for Hamas, they're, they're enemies of you, Sid, and how come the NYPD lets them run roughshod all over the city? So tonight, your friend, the transit police chief, by the way, did you hear Noam Layden's story about how bad things are in the subway? Yep, they're getting better. That's his lead story. That is, it's, it's a hot it's mess. Get, it's getting better. What the hell is he having dinner with you? He should be down in the slime and grime of the subway. So he's not allowed to have dinner? He worked a 13-hour shift yesterday. Oh, I feel, where's the, where's the small violin? Yeah, so no cojones caban yeah. is finally going to man up and stop these Palestinian Jews for Palestinian you know, demonstrators from stopping the annual Christmas yes, tree lighting. They're not going to listen to me. Michael Kemper and all those guys. And what's funny is, I remember uh, Jeff Madry, who I uh, hung out with at the New York City Marathon. Sweet guy. Uh, his name came up. You didn't want him. Uh, all these names came up. You didn't want them. And then you're okay with Eddie Caban. Now he's now no balls, Eddie Caban. Well, yeah, are you proud of what he's been able to do to all I, these I, protesters? I, you know, I, I, I got to tell you something. They freaking glued I, their listen, heads on 6th Avenue and blocked I, the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I'm going to tell you this, okay? No one hates these pro-Palestinians more than me. Nobody, including you. You're right there with me, okay? For the Jewish people love you. Nobody. But to blame Eddie Caban for what's going on in the city, is kind of like blaming Buck Showalter for the Mets. Well, Eddie Caban answers the people. Me, it, He's not the boss. You, what did Steve Cohen do to Buck Showalter? He fired him. Thank you. But he gave him two years. Doesn't matter. Not two months. Thank you. Eddie Caban only has so much damn power in this city. It's not up to okay, him. So Where's the governor? Where's the mayor? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are the people that, okay. that make legislation? Okay, so this stupid First Amendment everybody loves, which I can wipe my ass with let, these days. Let's go to the mayor. The other day, I sent you the picture of how hardworking the mayor is, <laughs> making a ridiculous hand sign while raising the Albanian flag. He was flag. at a pro-Israel dinner last oh, night. Oh, isn't that great? Where? At Cipriani's? Yes. Well, how much did it cost to get into that place? <laughs> I don't Could know. an average Jew afford to get in there? The answer no, is no. Probably not, no. Were they, uh, were they contributing to his legal defense well, I, 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 I don't were know. Were there lots of Jews there? That's right, because he knows Jewish money is good. Their checks don't bounce. Come on, Sid. <laughs> This is a guy that supported Farrakhan in the 90s. Uh, this is uh, a guy who was there without Slim Shady Sharpton. He made some mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Did he apologize? The answer is no. I apologize for saying Eddie Caban would be a good police commissioner. Hey, no, co cojones, Caban. Do something tonight. Talking about apologies. So I mentioned this morning that I'm going out to Los Angeles sometime in January or February. At least that's the rumor to be in this movie, That's Amore, with John Travolta. Christopher Walken. Oh, oh, now I'm getting excited. Psycho I know you boy. Are. Seven psychopaths. Christopher Walken. Yes. Dre Amadio, Talia Shire, a host of others, the Mayo Gordia, and uh, Nick Vallalonga, who won two Academy Awards for the movie Green Book, is making this movie. And the rumors are I'm going to have a role. But it turns out, talking about apologies, you've got a story that involves both Christopher Walken and Jimmy Kahn, yes. the late, great Jimmy Kahn, where you had to apologize. Yeah, I love, I love uh, psycho boy Christopher Walken. His family owned the bakery in Astoria. As you know, he's been in some of the greatest movies, always psychotic, King of New York. I'm the great king of New movie. York. Great movie. Notice how he put all the brothers in place. He yeah. said, I'm up the river and none of you came to visit <laughs> me, huh? Funny. Now I'm back. Now you want favors and privileges from me, huh? So clearly you've forgiven Christopher Walken. 
And I guess Robert Wagner for killing Natalie Wood. No, I want legend. you to ask him that question. I want you to ask what happened to <laughs> Natalie Wood, 1981, off Catalina. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Wood doesn't float. No, no, please. <laughs> would you would you go up and say, hey, Chris, you know, there's a statute of limitation. Did you choke her out? What did you do? Did you throw yeah. her into first the thing drink? Gonna, first thing I'm going to say to him is, why'd you do it? <laughs> now, do you know what college he went to? Uh, he went to, uh, I'm going to go with St. John's. No, no. Good guess. He went where all the great actors and directors went. He Hofstra went, when they were the Hofstra. Flying Dutchman. You want to hear something really weird? Talking about Christopher Walken and Natalie Wood? Yes. You know what Lou just told me in my ear? This is unbelievable. Today is actually the day that Natalie Wood died. Yes. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Thank you. Very good recall, Lou. That's why I'm I'm integrating the story into the piece. You may as well go at Miracle on 34th Street too. It's Christmas time, and she was in that too. Look all these. Right, right, very good. I wanna I wanna ask your very dear cousin Norm Coleman, right? Yeah. yeah. He went to Hofstra. Yes, he did. When they were the Flying Dutchman. Now they call themselves Pride. Well, back then he was what, smoking. What is that about gays and lesbians? Why do they call themselves Pride? I don't know. What's but, wrong with being the Flying Dutchman, right? Wayne Corbett, remember? Yes, what he was a there. Great player, Lainey Kazan. Oh my God. Was oh god, guys were having um, erectile non dysfunction yeah, when they would see hot. a picture of Lainey Kazan. But when my cousin went there, don't forget, those were the days when he had long hair, smoking pot with Abby Hoffman, That's going right. to Woodstock before he became this clean cut Kennedy esque uh, state senator from yeah, the great Bernie state of Madoff Minnesota. Went there also, Randy Levine and yes. my husband in law, David Patterson. In the meantime, Bruce Blakeman is trying to get the lady who runs that yes, school yes, fired. Yes. She is a poser, Dr. Poser. She's no good. So quickly, we've got about three minutes to go. Yes. Give me the whole apology story with Jimmy Kahn. So Jimmy Kahn went there. That's where he met Francis Ford Coppola. That's how he ended up in The Godfather. And he was a neighbor of Congressman Peter King in Sunnyside, Queens. Oh, Congressman King loved James Kahn. And so I'd be busting his horns about his affiliation with Andrew, Andy, Mushroots, or the Colombo crime family. So it's March 26th, and actually on your birthday, you look at all the other people that are noted. He said, okay, Diana Ross, Steven Tyler, Curtis Slewa. He calls up his lawyer. He goes, I want this guy to apologize. I want a retraction. He's always calling me a member of the Colombo crime family. So the powers that be at AM 970, the answer that nobody listens to, what a waste of my four years going over there. They don't have any answers. Exactly. <laughs> Demanded that I apologize, and they gave me the apology letter from the lawyer, and I read it word for word. I would like to take this opportunity to correct a few statements I made in earlier broadcasts on my show concerning the well-known actor James Kahn. Contrary to my prior statements, Mr. Khan was not in attendance at a court hearing involving Andrew Russo in New York on April 15, 2011. And therefore, he did not kiss Mr. Russo on the mouth at that hearing, as I previously stated. I also falsely stated that Mr. Khan was a trisexual. I have no knowledge about Mr. Khan's sexual preferences or activities, and it was not my intention to question Mr. Khan's sexual preferences or activities. Although Mr. Khan had written a letter to the judge in support of Mr. Russo obtaining bail, I incorrectly referred to that letter as a friend of the court brief. <laughs> Further, Mr. Russo did not assist Mr. Khan in his early acting career. I retract my earlier baseless comments about Mr. Khan and sincerely apologize for making them. <laughs> you know, that uh, sounded eerily similar 
to a point in my career when I also had to read a written apology on the air. Yes. Not 970, the answer, which nobody listens nobody to. Nobody does. I missed in the morning at yeah. WFAN, which oh, had millions and millions, and I had to read a letter similar to that that I had that I wrote, mind you, to Richard Venus and Serena Williams. But your letter was a lot more entertaining. Did and, you really accuse Jimmy Conn of all that? And he was guilty of all that. <laughs> and you know what? After I read the letter, his lawyer wrote the letter. I read it word for word. Right? You you heard the sincerity dripping from my lips. The Colombo crime family said, I can't believe he actually turned this into his favor. He since read that letter 40 times at the start of every show that he did that nobody listens to. So you know what? Let's put a hit out on the guy. So then they all said, boys, boys, we're still in a war with one another. You know, the Colombo crime family, the gang that couldn't shoot straight. If we can't even kill one another, how the hell are we going to kill him? You know, the Gambinos tried that and, and it didn't work. I don't know. You figure it out, right? What are you, Mensa? Get out there and whack this guy. Oh, so if all of you out there want your apologies by the beginning of the year, you want me to bend and bow and buck, friends or foes, just know that deep in the bowels of hell wearing his asbestos suit right now, Jimmy Kahn, best friend of Congressman Peter King in Sunnyside, Queens, is saying to himself, I should have never looked up March 26th, my birthday, because it caused me undue grief and harm. Good for you, Jimmy Conn. May you burn in hell. accident trust gabu law personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time gabu law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you but don't take our word for it read their five-star reviews from former clients on google avo and facebook call gabu law today 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
in the car last night with uh, my buddy Big Mark, Mark Oranger. Mark works with Kantowitz, Corona, all the guys, and he kind of serves as my driver. He's a terrific guy. Knows my brother-in-law, Albert Baker, for many years. Great guy. And he plays, um, I guess it's WCBS-FM. Because I think when I was growing up, CBS-FM had hits from like the 40s, 50s, and 60s, you know, from the Glenn Miller band to take out the papers and the trash, Scott Shannon. But now I've gotten so old, you too, Lewis, that I think the oldies are now the 70s, 80s, and 90s. You got it. They moved up. Yeah, like you never hear the Glenn Miller band anymore. Well, you got to go to like, you know, Channel 4 on Sirius XM, the 40s, you know. So I'm listening to all this music. Well, Mark is driving us to Casa Cipriani, and it's all the songs I grew up with. That's the Cars, Magic. That's not an oldie. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, but it really is. Now it, uh, hello, now it is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe okay. that's why I spend twice a week shaving the gray hairs off my testicles. I don't know. Okay. I'm that's gonna, a bit much. I'm going to try to go by that comment. How's breakfast? Tell you, uh, it's <laughs> 19, 1984. It's 80, that's 1984. 84, right. Yeah. That's an oldie. That's almost 40 years old. Next year, that song will be 40 years old. 40. 26, 36. Yeah. Trust me, my math is good. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, can I check, too? Sorry. No, your, your math is horrible. It is? Okay. No. All right. No, do you feel old when I make comments like this? That song is 40 years old? Yeah, that does make me feel right? old. Right? Yeah. Jeez. Well, wait till the Joshua Tree gets to be 40. Oh, God, please don't do that to me. And that's that was 87, I think. Uh, that's Joshua. not far away. Then. That's 36 not. years. Yeah. 36 oh, years. I remember sitting in the theater, <laughs> right. especially the one scene when Bono, when we were to play at 8 o'clock, and he did, he did a great version of Pride for, for Israel. Bono ends up in a church in Harlem. You remember this scene. And they sing, still haven't found what I'm looking for, with the church choir in Harlem. And I was like, like I died and went to heaven 36 years ago. And I went to see that concert, the Joshua Tree Tour. I think I saw I saw, I saw them twice. A lifetime ago. Yeah. You a were, lifetime ago. You, were, you looked a little sober that night, too. I, that was, <laughs> I was telling you the bad, told the edge. You look, <laughs> is that really Sid? Very oh good. God. Wow. Very good. I can't good. believe it. He's in this church. I think it's going to lightning. I think we're dead. I think we're dead. Let's write a song. So we're going to get to Peter King coming up next. After Curtis called out Peter King for being, I guess, a childhood friend of the late great actor James Kahn. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I got my mind played Bono at this year in Las Vegas at 6 a.m. I'm going to play it again right before Monica Crowley at 8 a.m. I'm dying to see that U2 residency at the Sphere in Vegas. And he took uh, the song Pride, one of my favorite rock and roll songs ever, In the Name of Love, off of the great Unforgettable Fire album. And he switched the lyrics 
from the Martin Luther King assassination to what happened October 7th in Israel. And it is amazing. We're going to play it again at about um, 8.10, right before Crowley. Am I getting carried away, Lou? I found it to be, I got chills from it. What about you? Well, you are a, a, a uniquely big U2 fan. Yes, that's obviously. true. I mean, right. that's, right. since coming back to work with you, I've, I've uh, learned that more. I mean, I, I would uh, sleep with all four of them. The Edge, Larry Mullen Jr., Adam Clayton Bono. I'm the most heterosexual guy you know, trust me. But I'd bang every member of the U2 band, did, all of them. I did no matter what the day was, no matter what doesn't they, matter how much Bono had don't no whiskey care. or anything just, like that. No, just no, whisper no. Angel of Harlem in my ear, and we're good to go. I didn't know you you, you snored like that a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, if you turn a little to the left, you know that's where the peace comes from. I think. Well, I was happy people. to hear another Irishman so um, fervent his support for Israel. You know who's like that? Peter King. Peter King signs off every text he sends me. Like you would send, love you, MJ. Right. I would do, love you, Danielle. Every text that Peter sends me, and he sends me a couple every day. You send them like that to me also. Too. I do. To, yeah, love, I, love do. You. Yeah. I do. Love I do. I do love you. Love you much. And love I mean you. that. Yeah. He signs off with F, and he spells out the word. It uh, sounds like suck. Hamas. Every text. I love Peter King. He is not just one of the two best politicians locally in my lifetime, him and Giuliani, both on today, by the way. He's a good Irishman. I think, like, I've seen him in Shines a lot. That's true. Yeah, He was a big Shines guy, yes. Oh, they love him in Dublin, but they love him on Long Island, too. Homeland Security, all of it. My dear friend Peter King. Pete, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm doing fine, Sid. Thanks for the kind words. Let me just tell you a story about you, too. Back in 2001, about six weeks after 9-11, they did a concert at Madison Square Garden for the firefighters. And I was able to be backstage. And it was great seeing Bono and all of them. Oh. Here's the, and my son is a fanatical YouTube fan. I know. Sean loves all that. There. Sean loves them, loves Depeche Mode. He loves that whole style of music. But then here's the thing. After listening to you backstage afterwards, a few of, the, you know, a few of those guys are walking around in their bathrobes. You could have got a hold of them. You know? No I mean, way. Uh, yes, absolutely. You would have loved it, Sid. I would have got naked. Nothing to me, but if you had been there, you would have Yeah, I would have gotten naked. You didn't get naked? Yeah. I was just there with my son and my wife, Rosemary. We were yeah. enjoying it. Watching Bono with, yeah. you know, with the firefighters and everything. But any of it. Who's bigger, who, who's bigger in Dublin? Is there anybody bigger than Bono? I guess not, right? He's as big as it gets? He's, yeah, I would say he definitely is. You know, Conor McGregor is there somewhere. But mainly I would say uh, Bono. Yeah. In fact, no. my son-in-law, uh, Bono, uh, I forget, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, God. Uh, when he's growing up, anyway, his name was Bono, but he worked at the local post office. And my son-in-law uh, grew up in W. Eustis. His last name was Eustis, I think. Oh, anyway. yeah, it was. That, it is. Yeah. That now was. It is his last name. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah, it's Bob or something. Office, you know, yeah. Behind the post, uh, behind the counter there. That's awesome. So anyway. Yeah, so I want to get back to uh, every yeah. text you send me, you end it with uh, F. Hamas. And look, I... You know, Lizzie Savetsky was in studio two days ago. I asked her flat out, what's more important to you, getting home the hostages or eliminating Hamas? And I said it can't be both. Even though we want it to be both, ideally, it can't be. My answer is, and I said again to Lizzie Savetsky last night, I want to eradicate Hamas. I've had enough of these pauses. Look, it makes my heart warm when I see these kids reunited with their families. And I'd be talking a lot differently, I admit it, if it was my kid. 
but it's not my kid. And when you're Netanyahu or Donald Trump or Peter King, you can't make decisions based on what if it was your kid. You make decisions based on the masses. And to me, thousands of Israelis and years and years of history take precedence over 200 innocent lives. I want to save the hostages, but these daily pauses, I think, are worse for Israel, and I would stop. What about you? Yes, listen, again, for my kids, somebody in my family, I'd be going crazy. Having said that, you can't allow hostages or prisoners of war to determine your fate. Let's face it, during World War II, during Vietnam, we were bombing the hell out of these countries, even though our POWs were there. I mean, you can't allow the other side to set the terms. Right now, Hamas is determining the fate of this war. They, have deter- they, they launched this brutal, vicious attack. It's not an exchange of POWs. These are innocent kids who are killed. Others are taken hostage. People are taken hostage. And we are, they are stopping the war to accommodate Hamas. And they, it drives me crazy. Like you're at CNN or these TV stations, that somehow this shows how humanitarian Hamas is, that they're returning the kids that they grabbed as hostages in the first place after cutting the arms off their mothers and fathers. I mean, this is crazy. And they can drag this out forever. When is it going to end? Let's say they do keep releasing five and ten a day, whatever. Let's say there's 30 hostages left. If Hamas gives up those 30, then it's over for them. They know that. So is Israel not going to go in? They're going to, Israel will have to go in, and somewhere along the line, hostages are going to be killed. I hate to sound like a hard-ass on it, but the survival of the country has to come first. You cannot allow the enemy dictate the terms right. of, of the battlefield. It's wrong. And the way they build it up, like somehow this is an exchange. It's like, you know, uh, the two sides got in a fight by accident. Right. Now we're trying to end that fight. Right. Right. And we're going to you know, you know, bring everybody back home. And by the way, P, in the, and in this deal, which is a horrible deal, they get three of theirs back for one of ours. Ours are innocent women, children, and men. Theirs are prisoners. They're prisoners because they may be 12 years old, but they're terrorists. They've killed people. So this is an unbelievably bad deal, bad deal for the Israelis. I know why Netanyahu had to do it. He's under pressure from Biden. So I don't know if you were listening yesterday, and Israel, if you were listening yesterday to Michael Goodwin on this show, great writer, New York Post, but he's a Democrat, okay? And uh, he he is critical of Biden, but not not nearly critical enough. So I say, listen to me, Mike, he's complicit. Oh, no, that, now you've gone over the line. That is way too much. I go, Why? What do you mean? He has now been a part of two administrations, two, Obama and his own, that has loosened sanctions, loosened restrictions, given money to Iran. Did he not know 30 years ago that Iran was out to destroy America and Israel? So if he's giving them money and he's loosening restrictions, he is 1,000% complicit. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to have it. But I'm telling you, Peter King, I'm right. I disagree. Talking about Biden's powers, I think he's wrong. Complicit, though, implies that he knew what he was doing. And uh, just hold on for a second on this. I've dealt with these people in Congress. They honestly believe that Iran can be brought around. Now, some of them are anti-American. Some of them are horrible. But there are other people. If you live with these people, you realize they actually believe. I'm sure there's people around uh, Biden right now who really don't care that much. But there's others who somehow think that if you bring Iran in, if you start trading with them, if you give them... Uh, Money, if you uh, sign a nuclear deal, they're going to come around. So complicit means he intentionally wanted to help Iran at the, at the expense of the United States. I don't think he did. I think he was totally naive. There are people in the administration, there's no doubt, who, if you want to say complicit, they certainly are not pro-American. So, again, it's, to me, it's a matter of semantics. I don't think Biden intentionally wanted to help Iran at the expense of the United States. 
But that's the only logical answer to what he was doing. Uh, the only Wait, so, 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 so listen, so I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked Goodwin, yeah. okay? Yeah. Did Biden not know? And I'm going back to Reagan. Uh, Jimmy Carter, his wife, was just buried yesterday when they took right. our hostages. Did Biden not know that Iran, the biggest terrorist state in the world, wanted to destroy for decades America and Israel? Because if he knew that, that piece of information, he's complicit. That's it. But he thinks he can bring them around. They think this. Well, totally who cares naive. what he thinks? He may have thought that, but he was wrong. Oh, he was totally wrong. So he totally funded wrong. the war. He helped fund the war. He may, yeah, he may have had great. Listen, I know Nixon had his China. Obama wanted to have his Cuba. His interests may have been, uh, it may have been good. He, he may have had a, a good heart when it came to it. But the truth is, he slept with the enemy, and the enemy attacked our people. Therefore, he's guilty. If you wanted to find complicit in saying that he should have known what he was doing, yes, he was complicit. I just don't think he intentionally wanted to hurt the United States or okay. help Iran. I think he was okay. totally naive. But again, it's really semantics. His policy was wrong, wrong from the start, continually wrong. These people deny reality. And the reality is Iran is an evil, evil state. They, by the way, they have the largest terrorist force here in the United States right now. Hezbollah is the most sophisticated terrorist force in the world, and there are many of them in the United States that have been here. Before the migrants and everything else, yep. they have been here yep. in place. Our people know that, but hopefully we're watching them. I, I don't know if they're watching the uh, way we used to, when, you know, when Ray Kelly was the commissioner, or when Bill Bratton was the commissioner, uh, or even when, you know, when uh, Bush was president, when Trump was president, we were watching them. I don't know if we are right now. Yeah. And that is, that, is, that is my real concern. No, listen, you, and to your credit, Peter, and I, I keep bringing this up, you went to Congress a couple of months ago before these attacks in Israel, and you said, folks, folks, Let's not keep our eye off of ISIS and Al-Qaeda. You said it, to your credit, months and months ago. And it turns out, Peter King, you're 1,000% right on the way out. So I had yeah. dinner last night, and you heard those stories. So Michael Kemper was there. I love Mike Kemper. I'm sorry I do. Not because he's Jewish. He is Jewish. Most decorated Jew of the NYBD. But he's a tough guy. And when he says to me last night, we're going to make sure these pro-Palestinian animals don't F up the tree lighting, I believe him. But what would you do differently if, if you were still in politics when these people were marching in the streets, which is bad enough, but then actually blocking traffic, which is illegal, Manhattan Bridge, Brooklyn Bridge, what would you do? Something needs That's to be dope. done. There are no repercussions. I, I would tell the cops, get them out of there, do whatever has to be done. And the cops could do it if they're allowed to do it. Their hands are tied, but they have to be allowed to do it. Also, let me straighten one thing out with Curtis Lewa. I did grow up around the corner from James Conn. I didn't know him. He was, he was a few years older than me. And I lived on the street. We had 1,000 people, you know, at all the apartment houses living on one street. The kids on 44th Street hardly ever went to 43rd Street and vice versa. That's when we kids on your own block. That's where you hung out. But, uh, no, I didn't know James Conn. Uh, I know of him now. But at the time, uh, he was just one of those guys, you know, living around the corner. That's and, awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm going to see you. famous as Curtis Lewa. No, of course not. I'm going to see you next week. I'm looking forward to it. I um. Yeah, I love you. I'm happy you had a nice Thanksgiving. You were great again today, and we'll do this again next week. How does that sound? Let me wish my daughter, my daughter Erin, a happy birthday. That's Jack's mother. Wish her a happy birthday. Wait, right? Oh, I know it's Jack's mother. It's her birthday today? Yes. God damn it, Alex. Sing happy birthday right now to Erin. Right now. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Erin. Happy birthday to you. There you have it, folks.
a lot more. That's the highlight of her life. Thank you, guys. There you go. Uh, she's a sweet girl, and you're a great guy. We love you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pete. Okay, see you next right. week. Bye. Happy birthday, Aaron. Nice job, Lou Rapino and Justin Ellis. We're going to leave that one off the <laughs> Whatever gets you out of here, you know, it's my line. We got a big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. Two really talented people, Monica Crowley and the man, the great Bill O'Reilly. But when we get back, talking about Bono one morning long, he did do a special tribute to Israel at the Sphere in Las Vegas. You're going to hear that, too. Plus, my big night at Casa Cipriani's last night. 8 o'clock hour comes your way. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. In the light of what's happened in Israel and Gaza, uh, a song about nonviolence seems somewhat ridiculous, even laughable. But our prayers have always been for peace and uh, and for nonviolence. So. But our hearts and our anger, you know what that's pointed. So sing with us. And those those beautiful kids about music festival. October 7th, as the sun is rising in the desert sky, stars of David, they took your life, but they could not take your pride. If you don't get chills from that, man, that is Bono and you 2 live at the Sphere in Las Vegas a couple nights ago, changing the words of pride from the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination to that morning in Israel on October the 7th. They may have killed our babies, folks, but they did not kill our pride. God, I love Bono. I love you, too. I love this next guest, too. She's one of the smartest people you'll ever meet. She worked for Donald Trump. She is, whether she's talking about the economy, the presidential race, or even what's going on in Israel, seen her on Fox News all the time. She's so good. My friend Monica Crowley. Monica, good morning, sweetheart. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sid. I am great. Thank you, as always, for having me back. It's great to have you back. How how great was that? Bono in Vegas, changing the words to what happened in Israel, that great song, getting that crowd wild over uh, October 7th. How amazing was that? Was that hot or what? 
I love that. And good for Bono and you, too, for taking a stand for Israel and the Jewish people, because throughout the uh, entire entertainment community, it's shot through with apparent uh, uh, obvious anti-Semites and people who have no qualms about standing up for Hamas, a terrorist organization that massacred what, 1,400 innocent Israelis on October 7th, people like Susan Sarandon, whose agency dropped her because of her uh, terrorist sympathies that she publicly expressed. So good for Bono and you two for standing up morally for what's right. We need more people with more moral courage and more moral clarity. That is so well said. Well, Susan Sarandon's been a pig for years. I can't, you know, there was a time I liked her. I actually coached a New York Rangers celebrity hockey game for FAN years ago against uh, Elvis Duran and Cubby Bryant, Z100. And my assistant coaches were Susan Sarandon and a little girl named Jamie Lynn Sigler, who at the time was playing Meadow Soprano. And Susan and I got along great that night. And then about two weeks after, I found out how much she hated this country, specifically Republicans. And for the last 20 years, I've despised her. And and Tim Robbins, her boyfriend, another great actor, he's no better, her ex-boyfriend. So I'm glad she was exposed. I'm glad you brought that up, Monica. But are you surprised by the amount of anti-Semitism, whether it's Hollywood, other countries, Palestinian rallies here in New York? Are you surprised at how much Jew hatred there is out there? You know, it's absolutely shocking to see it out in the open. I mean, I guess nothing really surprises me anymore, Sid, after seeing so much radicalism and so much violence and hate for so many years. I mean, part of it is human nature. But the other part of this is that all of this is being deliberately stoked. So when you see this kind of disgusting, raging anti-Semitism pouring into the streets of New York City, college campuses, really every nook and cranny of this country, you realize that this is sort of the logical endpoint of a decades-long revolution here and in the West. Anti-Semitism, unfortunately, is always there. What, what this episode has shown us is it's bubbling right underneath the surface, and it's always looking for a match to ignite and, and become more public, which is horrifying in and of itself. But take a step back and think about it this way, Sid. The left, and I mean the collective left, and by that I mean the four big forces that are seeking to destroy the United States and destroy the West are the globalist Marxists. Okay, so the global Marxist revolution that's been really going on since 1917, Marx and Lenin. The Chinese Communist Party as force number two. Uh, the Islamists, force number three, and force number four, the globalists, like the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, the UN, and others. Those four forces are seeking to knock out the West, erase our borders, which is really what our open southern border is all about, erase the nation state, create a one-world government with mass surveillance and, and power and control concentrated in their hands. When you understand that that is the bigger agenda, Sid, then you understand that the raging anti-Semitism with the pro-Hamas terrorist sympathizers in the streets, Antifa and Black Lives Matter burning down the country in 2020, when you look at all of these 
pieces and you put all of it together, you realize that it is all the same revolution. Damn, that and I good. want people to understand that yep. shit. These yep. are not isolated little, no. you know, pop-ups of, of radicalism or anti-Jew hatred. In and of itself, yes, but they're not siloed movements. No. They are all the same revolution to destroy the United States and the West. Yeah, and we've seen, uh, to your point, which was just brilliant, mind you, really brilliant, we've seen the same people marching in the summer of 2020 in the BLM rallies showing up with kafirs now as as if they were pro-Palestinian. So it is something that's been going on for years, led by George Soros and others, in an attempt to destroy us. Now, look, here's what I hear all the time now, Monica. Now, I know you work for Trump. You love Trump. So do I. But you hear this all the time, whether we're talking about the economy here at home, whether we're talking about Ukraine, Russia, whether we're talking about Israel, Hamas, whether we're talking about the looming possibility of China, Taiwan, any one of these things, the border, here's what you hear. If Trump was president, and you can figure out the rest, if Trump was president, would this be going on in Israel right now? Absolutely not. And there is a very simple way that we know this, which is, it didn't happen under President Trump. That's right. right. We actually have empirical evidence of four years of a Trump presidency where this kind of conflict and violence and radicalism did not happen. Four years where the, the Palestinians, Hamas, did not move on to Israel. Four years where Vladimir Putin did not invade Ukraine. Four years where the Chinese did not lift a finger to prepare against Taiwan, which is what they're doing now. Four years of evidence. So we're, it's not just a theory, Sid, we know it to be true. And, so, and the reason for that is because you had a strong American president who built up our military, gave the military free hands, to, to augment its resources, modernize its forces. And you had a commander-in-chief who literally said to people like Vladimir Putin, don't even think about it. Right. Because if you do, if you threaten one American life, if you threaten America's interests around the world, we will destroy you. And yeah. don't test me because you know it's true. No, he did. In fact, he, no, I know he, he actually took out. And respected him. Right. I mean, you remember we lost 13 soldiers in Afghanistan. And the uh, the story is is that he sat down with the leader of Al Qaeda, and he had a uh, little red dot in the middle of a map, and he said, "Oh, look, this is where your wife and kids live. You mess up one hair on an American soldier, I will blow that place, just like he did to Soleimani, just like he did to Baghdadi." So yes, I, I got to go for dinner with me and my wife uh, months ago, who said Trump was lucky, lucky. He wasn't lucky. They were scared to death of him, and I don't care why. Maybe he's crazy, maybe he's not. The point is, he ruled with power, and he intimidated all these animals that are now running wild. So the question is very simple in the final 60 seconds, Monica. Is our guy going to win again? Well, the question is not can he win, Sid. Obviously, he won in 2016 and won in a landslide in 2020, okay? So if the elections are clean, which is a big if, then yes, obviously Donald Trump can and will win, and the polling is showing that. 
But what we saw in 2020 is that our elections are not clean. They are manipulated, again, by the same revolutionaries doing the anti-Semitism and the anti-fun Black Lives Matter and the rest. So the real question is, will the deep state allow him to be president again? Because that is where the real power in this country lies. That means that the rest of us have to do what the left does, which is try to overwhelm our systems in order to destroy the country, whether it's the wide open border, whether it's economically overwhelm us to implode us. We need to do the same thing. We need to so overwhelm the electoral system next year that they cannot steal or rig this election and that Donald Trump will actually get the votes that he is going to get and that they're not going to be able to steal it from under him. So all of us need to mobilize. We all need to see what's happening here, the truth of it, and how the hour is very late in this country. And we need all hands on Deck. Monica, tell folks about that great podcast that you do. You're so great on my show. I love having you. I'm honored every time you're on. But you do a great podcast, too. Tell folks about that. Oh, thank you so much, Sid. Yeah, it's called the Monica Crowley Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Go check it out. I do it a couple of times should a week. Be, uh, great should, guests should like be, uh, Taylor Green and others. Should be on 77 WBC Radio's podcast list, but we'll, we'll discuss that later, okay? <laughs> Sounds good, Sid. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Uh, please come back again very soon. You're not good. You're great. I love you. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Sid. Thank you. All right. Monica Crowley right there. Sid and friends in the morning. So a lot more to do. Bill O'Reilly, there's no segment on WABC that gets better ratings, not one, than O'Reilly and Rosenberg on Thursdays. Well, I'm out tomorrow, so Bill has agreed to come on today. Coming up at 840, Bill O'Reilly, then the mayor himself, Rudy Giuliani. Coming up at 9.15, but not before. Bono, you too. Pride in the name of love. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. One of the four members of the Beatles, and today happens to be, and Lou Rubino is the man who knows all this stuff, happens to be George's heavenly birthday. He died on this day. Was it 22 years ago? It's 2001. 22? Yeah, 9-11. Uh, 2001, yes. After. Yeah, yeah. 9-11. George Harrison, one of the all-time greats. So before we get to Bill O'Reilly and Rudy Giuliani, you know, no one does it better than New York and... We had dinner last night at Casa Cipriani, and, and it was a great time, a great time. But there was an event there, and it was called the Moonlight Gala. 
And I never saw better-looking people in my whole life. I wasn't even invited to this. But Manash Shapiro, who happens to be the mayor's, Eric Adams' deputy chief of staff, was a very, very dear friend of mine, and Anthony Carone and the whole crew, Keith Cantwood, he actually brought me down to this unbelievable event with, again, the most beautiful people you'll have ever seen, men, women, just dressed to the nines, donating tons and tons of money. I think they raised about $4 million, $4 million, which was, uh, goes to uh, kids with, um, with uh, illnesses and Israel. And they had all these great Israeli artists up there, singers and comedians, and it was just unbelievable. So I saw our friend Lizzie Savetsky again there last night. Lizzie was live in the studios two days ago. In fact, Rudy Giuliani loves her. I booked Lizzie Savetsky for Giuliani's show tomorrow through uh, your friend Rich Rodabelli, one of the uh, great producers. Really good job that time. Yeah. It was Very close? Good. I'm getting closer, right? Yeah, yeah. you're off, but you're still you're close. Eh, well, it's close enough. Who cares? So, uh, But Lizzie was there last night, and uh, Eleonora Sarugo and Jay Che and that whole crew, Mayor Eric Adams, like I said, Manash Shapiro, they were all there. And then uh, upstairs was the dinner, you know, Kantrowitz and uh, Mike Kemper, who happens to be the chief of uh, transit. He is the most decorated Jewish cop ever. And he's going to make sure this Christmas tree lighting tonight at 30 Rock goes down without these pro-Palestinians ruining it. I take Mike Kemper at his word. Curtis Sliwa doesn't, but I do. Kemper promised me last night we're going to have a great time at 30 Rock tonight, and I believe Kemper. Audie Idala showed up in Big Mark Oranger. Got a call from Ryan Tedder. Met a guy named Bruce Moser, who's John Katzmatidi's dear friend from Cushman Wakefield. It's a great night. A young lady named uh, Shira, who uh, is uh, the Diamond Queen. That's who she is. Her and her father are big-time, big-time jewelers. She was there last night, and another young lady named Eileen Jimenez, who's a friend of uh, Keith and Anthony and the guys, and she's a terrific young lady, too, very, very smart. Looking to do mortgages, so if you have a mortgage business, uh, give a call, uh, check out Eileen Jimenez. So it was a great night, it really was. Uh, The event was terrific, the night was fun, and every time I do these events, I get to meet some really cool New York people. And even though the city is a mess, we've got a lot of work to do, pound for pound, and I go everywhere, pound for pound, this is still the most interesting city in the world, based on the people that you meet and see on a regular basis. 77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. How is this man going to make it through five more years of being president, right? One, and then if he wins re-election, another four. He, at eight, he's 81. Think about Can you imagine an eight, 86-year-old Joe Biden? Just the other day, we played a clip of him just three years ago when he was running, and he seemed so much more spry than he does today. I don't mean to sound nasty. It's, it's not coming from a nasty place. It's coming from a just an observational, uh, observational place. I don't think he can do it. Well, I will come from a nasty place. He is old. He's decrepit. He's a corrupt creek creep, I should say. And I don't care what Michael Goodwin says or anybody else. He is partly responsible because of his relationship over the years, dating back to Obama, for the tragedy in Israel. Because he's in bed with Iran. He's a creep. 
That was Megan Kelly. My next guest, though, is usually on Thursdays. It's the highest-rated segment of the week here on WABC. Why? Because he's the best. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best, whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights here on WABC. His own website, the best, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, TV shows, and a great column. And his morning message on this show is just outstanding. It really is. He's the best ever. Killing series, killing the witches. My dear friend, Bill O'Reilly. Bill, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Hope that went well. Welcome back. You know, it went well. Um, no arrests. And that's <laughs> at my uh, station in life now. That's pretty much what the barometer is for success. There are, are no arrests during a, uh, you know, I was, you know, I, I was actually less concerned about arrests. I worry about that with Curtis Sliwa. But what I was concerned about with you was when you, uh, as promised, at least you said, when you started to explain to your dinner guests, including your lovely daughter, about the uh, the Mayflower and all those yeah. boats, that they would literally get up from the table, walk out, and go to, like, KFC. <laughs> you know what I did? I, I did it more like a quiz. Okay. So uh, this is a tip for everybody who's got urchins, either uh, children or grandchildren. <laughs> if you talk directly at them, all right. As you and I do, as you know, we're vigilant fathers and, and, you know, don't do that or, you know, something like that. Right. They believe me, they just shut you down. But if you pose it as a question to be answered, then there's more of an engagement there. So Killing the Witches uh, just passed 200,000 in sales. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I want to thank you and WABC for getting behind the book. So it's an enormous bestseller. In this day and age, to sell 200,000 copies of Amazing. any book in two months. Amazing. Yeah, and it, and it really is. And the reason that is selling so well is that because it's harrowing, but it's fun to read in the sense that you're learning a lot that you didn't know. And it, what I do is I say, look, this is how the country started. So you can sit there in the classroom and you can have your little pilgrim hat on and a pumpkin there. <laughs> but it was absolutely harrowing being on that boat. But the most important thing about killing the witches is how it impacts society today. And we have a witch hunt. And you saw it in the last couple of weeks. I mean, and now the press doesn't even bother covering much of this accusation stuff. Everybody, there's not a man in the country that's safe. Not one. You know, if somebody wants to get you, it's so easy. Just make an accusation, hire a lawyer. The lawyers are advertising on television. Come and tell me your story. You don't have to pay anything. I'll destroy somebody's life, uh, and I'll file against them. And, and that's a witch hunt. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. And even if you win, even if they do that and you win and it yeah. turns out no one apologizes. Nobody does anything. And, right. and the people recommend human beings, they go to the negative, not the positive, which is why the headline is on page uh, one. And the um, oh, well, yeah. And sorry, I didn't do it. Twenty six. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you know true. what the game is. Yes. Here. It's sensationalism. I know. I know. But families are destroyed. In the process, and we, we have some regular folks in Killing the Witches, not famous people, who've had their whole lives destroyed um, by unfounded accusations. Not to say that every accusation is bogus. That's not true. But right now, it's so easy to destroy anybody you want to destroy. Agreed. I mean, especially the white man. 
I'm not sure it's so easy to destroy, and you may not like this, but I'm just going to give it to you honestly, not so easy to destroy a black man, not so easy to destroy a gay man, not so easy to destroy a Palestinian supporter, but you show me a white guy or a Jewish guy, it ain't going to take much. Well, you know, in the, in the latest travesty in New York State, um, there were a bunch of uh, African-American men, uh, you know, dragged into this thing. But generally speaking, um, white supremacy. See, if you're white, then you're assumed now by the progressive left to have supremacy. You know, and we talked about that on our live show about a month ago where I said, um, hey, you know, I, I can just envision me as a teenager walking into the living room in Levittown with my father, who's sitting there reading the paper and go, Dad, uh, can we talk about our white privilege here? <laughs> can you just, I can, you know, think about your father. Oh, no, no. You, know, no. you look at it, uh, he, he looks up at the couch, yeah. which was bought from Modell. Right. Okay. And he, what was that? Yeah. You know, uh, I know. Listen, or, it's yeah. it's so far out of whack. I know the whole thing. Well, yeah. Oh, Daddy, one of my uh, three sisters now wants to be a boy. Any thoughts, Dad? No, it's it's. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, look, <laughs> Dad. Look, I I know I'm going to graduate from Chaminade High School, all boys school. But you know, I think I might want to make a trans transition. Can you imagine my father, oh, your God, father, no, no. anybody's father listening to no. that? But by the way, that's why our show was such a huge success, and I really hope somewhere down the road we do it again. Everybody who walked out of that place uh, could absolutely understand where we were coming from. And I always say this. Sure. I say, if you want to be really successful, you can be really smart. Like, you're the smart, smartest guy I know. And you could have great opinions. But if you can relate to your audience, if they find you relatable, then you'll have the most success. The word is authentic. So, um, do you know, by the way, I've got to stop you right there. Bill O'Reilly, you know what the word of the year is this year? Yeah, authentic. Um, but New York leads the league in that. So this city and this area, 16 million people in the New York metropolitan area used to, and I think still does to a very large extent, value genuine people. You know, I don't know, you were in Brooklyn, and I'm in Levittown, but if there was a kid like Eddie Haskell, remember Leave it a Beaver? Of course. Eddie Haskell, oh, Mrs. Cleaver, what a nice dress you <laughs> You know, it's like, you, the kid would be beaten to a pulp on the playground. No doubt. Right? Yep. We don't want phonies here. We don't want, you know, we want genuine people, and that's the way I was raised. That's why I've been successful, by the way, in my career. Because there's no pretense about me. I get out there. I say, look, this is what I believe, and this is why. Now, you don't have to believe what I believe. Um, I don't. That's not a litmus test for me. I like spirited debate as long as you're a sincere person. If you're some kind of phony manipulating the system, then you got a problem with me. So, Bill, I do want to talk to you. That was well said. Bill O'Reilly, of course, here on a Wednesday because I'm out the next two days. So yesterday I had uh, Michael Goodwin on the show. Michael's a very, very good writer, maybe the best at the New York Post. It's neck and neck between him and Miranda Devine, you know. And um, he took offense to something I said because, uh, as I said at the very start of this conversation, after I played the Megyn Kelly cut, I said because of his prior dealings with not one but two administrations, dating back to him and Obama together, and now him alone, 
with all of the loosening of the sanctions and restrictions and money, money that he's given to Iran and letting out hostages, I said it is fair to say that he's been complicit in these attacks. I don't care what he says now. I don't care about the rhetoric. And by the way, for every nice thing he says, he wants a pause. He wants a ceasefire. As far as I'm concerned, he is complicit. And Goodwin went nuts. That is way over the line. That is too much. I don't care what Goodwin thinks. I'm doubling down on it this morning. What do you think? I don't know if complicit is the word. I, I think a better word more precise language and when you when you deal with four-year-olds being kidnapped by terrorists the language becomes important okay fair enough um i think that the obama administration and the biden administration have enabled terrorism and putin and she to do things they ordinarily wouldn't do and i'll I'll fall right back on the Trump administration much tougher. And I know for a fact some of the conversations that went on behind the scenes between uh, President Trump and the leaders of Iran and Putin. And, and he would basically say to them, talk about New York authenticity, if you do X, Y is going to happen. And they didn't do X. Now, I know that to be true. I wrote a book called Killing the Killers, and I outline all of this stuff. When you are a mullah in Iran and your top guy, Soleimani, top terrorist in the country, all of a sudden is scattered all over a Baghdad street by a drone, that's a message. Oh, yeah. Have we seen that under the Biden or Obama administrations? No. No. So you are correct in when the villains of the world, and there are plenty of them, see weakness or perceived weakness, like Putin went in to test Obama on Crimea, and Obama did nothing. So Putin filed that away. He didn't want to mess with Trump. But as soon as Biden got in, boom, boom, right. Putin's in Ukraine. Correct. Same thing with the mullahs. Look, they knew that Trump would drop a drone on them if they uh, overtly encouraged Hamas to invade Israel. Okay, they knew that would happen because Soleimani, and is a, if you're re-killing the killers, the only thing left of Soleimani was a finger with a ring on it. I remember that. We have the picture yep. in the book. Yep. All right. That's how he was obliterated from space. And the mullahs go, uh, that could be me. Right. So when you're debating with Michael Goodwin or anyone else, the more precision you can bring to the argument. So you tend to get emotional. Me? Get the hell out of here. Yes. Your wife was on the phone to me last night going, is there anything you can do about Sid? <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to break that story at this point. You, you get a little emotional, which yeah. is good, I mean, because then people are engaged and they want to hear what you have to say. But in something like Hamas, the evil that we're seeing there, I mean, four-year-old girl, you kill her parents in front of her, and then you have some student at Columbia University who's pro-Hamas? That's all you got to say. You don't have to say anything more. 
Yeah. No, you're right. And, uh, of course, they don't call themselves pro-Hamas. They call themselves pro-Palestinian, which, uh, for me, is the same thing. I don't, I don't no, get involved in semantics. it is the semantics. same thing. There are innocent Palestinians trapped in Gaza. No, enough of that, too. God, I'm sick of that. Sick okay, of it. They're, not, they're, they're, they're innocent. No, no. They're innocent until about, they're about seven years old when they teach them in the second grade to go out there and hate no, and kill that, Jews. That's, that's a fact. That's true, too. Yes. But there are people in in Gaza who would not like to be there, but they are a minority. Yeah, I'm I'm not as sympathetic as you are. In fact, if I hear one more time coming out of any of our politicians' mouths, whether it's the mayor in this city, whether it's the stupid school chancellor in this city, or the president or vice president, the word Islamophobia, I am – and I know that three people got shot last week, and it was a horrible story, horrible, and God bless them. But uh, you can't you can't point to another story, any evidence of Islamophobia. I can give you a thousand stories in a week about anti-Semitism, but they have this this compulsion to add that word to the sentence, just not to upset our Muslim neighbors. I'm sick of it. There's no Islamophobia in this country, and there's no white supremacy either. None. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, politically correct, woke to do that and and that was one of the first things that biden did after the hamas uh invasion on october 7th and obama did the same thing he said was oh yeah we can't have islamophobia okay i mean all right but to make a moral equivalency and you're correct on this by the way um between the treatment of american muslims and the treatment of american jews okay that that is ridiculous Obama did the same thing. I mean, I remember those Paris, the Paris attacks, blowing up the soccer stadium, shooting innocent people in the amphitheater, killing people at outdoor cafes that day. That's when I really started to become more interested in this rather than the Dolphins' bills. He was doing the same thing. You know, yeah, please. I mean, look, there is always a justification for terror. These terrorists always justify. That's what Bin Laden did. Um, you know, he had a big manifesto. This is why we killed 3,000 people in New York City and Pennsylvania and, and D.C., because the United States did X, Y, and Z. Throughout history, every tyrant, every single one has had a justification, but it's, you know, it's phony. And you don't – if you go to a prison and you ask, well, why did you hurt that person? Then you'll get a litany of excuses from the incarcerated individual. Oh, I got beaten up by my father. Oh, I, I, you know, I don't have any money. And, you know, they made me do this. They, it's always that way. So immature people have to step back and really see it for what it is. This is evil we're dealing with. Israel's not evil. Hamas is. Is that, I can't make it any more simple than that. No, that's it. That's it. And, and let me say this, and this may upset you too, but that's okay. We're tight. I've had enough of these uh, pauses and, and stuff. I, you know, I uh, again, don't ask me if it was my kid. It's a stupid question. It's not my kid. So I have to try to govern this for the masses. What's more important to me? Thousands and thousands of Israelis and maybe another thousand years of tradition? Or God forbid, God forbid, 150 hostages dying? And the answer is not the latter. So these, these pauses where these Hamas people are doing this on purpose, that's why they took these hostages in the first place. They knew. That's true. Right. So you know that's what? True. At some point, we got to stop doing it. I hate to say it. And just blow these bastards off the face of the earth. But you have to do it surgically. So you can't go in uh, because the world will turn against you. What do you have? 
Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Israel is getting a lot of aid from the United States and NATO. Yeah, but the United um, States does it because they have to. See, Trump did it because he wanted to. He moved the, the embassy to Jerusalem. He recognized the Golan Heights as part of Israel, okay? He wanted to. These bastards, Biden, he doesn't care about the Jews. His, his mentor, Obama, cared less. They do it because they have to. They're worried about their votes and what they look like on the world stage. They ain't going anywhere. Well... If I'm running a uh, Netanyahu's uh, campaign, military campaign, I'm taking this pause um, stuff, and I'm using it to my advantage. I'm getting as much intel as I can get. I'm isolating where these uh, Hamas leaders are, where the cells are, where the tunnels are. And then after the ceasefire is over, which it will be probably this weekend, um, I'm going in surgically and destroying this uh, apparatus Hamas has. That's the way to do it. So you didn't hear a lot of, uh, under Trump, and he had really good, and again, I'll refer back to killing the killers, very, very good national security advisors. I mean, they, they're the best. What a good team he had. You didn't hear a lot of, well, we're going to do this to ISIS, we're going to do that to ISIS, and we're going to kill all the people in the town that ISIS is in. You didn't hear that. They just went in surgically and destroyed the entire leadership, uh, starting with Baghdadi. And we have a big passage on how they got him. Now, they had to kill his three-year-old son. The U.S. Special Forces had to kill his three-year-old son because Baghdadi would not let the son go, right. even when he was cornered. Like Hamas. They do the same thing. They use the kids as human thing. shield. Yeah, the yeah, same thing. Yeah. And I know, they do it surgically. Yeah. Well, you can try, but again, as you pointed out, these people have been trapped. Hamas uses them as, as human shields. And uh, quite frankly, some of them are not as innocent as we'd like to believe. So there are going to be casualties. But, Bill, it's called war. We didn't start this. It was a holiday Shabbat Saturday morning. We were at a music festival having a nice day. We didn't start this. But we need to end this soon. Yeah, let's all hope that happens. I know that's a cliche, but, boy, is this terrible for everybody. There's nothing good coming out of this. Agreed. Uh, oh, except for this conversation, because you're just amazing, and I love you, and thank you for coming on on a Wednesday. I really appreciate that. Seriously, thank you. And we'll do it again next Thursday. I love you to pieces, Bill O'Reilly. Thank you. All right. Like, it's always uh, edifying. Word of the day. <laughs> I like that. Talk to Sid Rosenberg on WABC. Um, and I will we'll try to put something else together because the demand to see us live and it, it shocks me. Why would anyone want to see me and Sid live? I mean, for most of my life, people go, "Is that O'Reilly?" I'm going the other way. I'm not paying a hundred bucks to see him. I'm not paying it a dollar to see him. Right. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, no, they but love things change. Yeah, they change. Yeah, they love this. <laughs> hey, have yourself a great weekend. You're the best, Bill. Thank you. All right, so we'll talk next week. My man, that's the great Bill O'Reilly. They don't get any better. That's it, right there, 9 p.m. weeknights on WABC. Check out BillOReilly.com. That sets us up for a fourth and final hour. And I'm out till Monday. Rudy Giuliani. Oh, he's got a lot to say about this conflict, too. The mayor, Rudy Giuliani, coming up after the news.
Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. What's more important to you, getting the hostages home or wiping out Hamas? The Jewish people value life. It says to save one life is to save the entire world. For their prisoners, I don't care how old they are. It doesn't mean that you're not a terrorist just because you're under the age of 18. I've seen that video of 12, 13-year-old boys stabbing Israelis. These are terrorists. That's what they are. Um, and I, I struggle with this question. I am a mother. And I am somebody who values life. I don't want to ever see anyone suffer. I don't know if I would be able to live with myself mm. if I said that our primary goal isn't getting the hostages out. Right, I, but, but, but these are all of our children. And I see every, answer, but answer. I believe yes. that. I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke. I, I see every child that is a hostage right now as my child. Okay, and good. I see every, yeah. I see every Jew in Israel who is fighting this fight or suffering from this fight as my sibling, I would go to the ends of the earth to do anything I can for their safety. And it's not a rational answer. I wish that I could give you the rational no, answer that, that, no. that Hamas, that Hamas needs to be dealt with first and foremost, but I, I would not be able to live with myself as, as a human being. That's my friend, Lizzie Savetsky, who I saw again last night. Uh, so Michael Kemper last night, I got to tell you this quick story before I get to Woody Giuliani. So Kemper is uh, the head of transit police, you know, highly, uh, most highly decorated Jewish cop ever. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. So remember a couple of weeks ago, I saw some guy messing with a sign down with the subway, and they could have sworn he was a terrorist. So Kemper sends me this. Based in part with the incident you had last month, the MTA has now mandated that all outside contracted employees doing work in the subway system will now have to wear identifiable clothing and must verbally identify themselves and present identification to any member of the public. You remember the guy was being such a dick to me? Look like a, an Arab guy, talk like an Arab guy, was being a dick? Yeah, I remember the story. Yeah. Well, the MTA, because of me... According to Mike Kemper, who's out there protecting the tree tonight, folks, stop watching the news. Don't worry. Go watch the Christmas tree light up. You're going to be fine. They're going to keep those pro-Palestinian animals away from it. I trust Mike Kemper. According to Mike, they changed the rule because of me. But that Lizzie Savetsky audio Rudy played yesterday, in fact, I booked Lizzie Savetsky for Rudy's show tomorrow. Because clearly that raised an eyebrow for Rudy. And I love Lizzie, and I hear where she's coming from. She's a mother. I'm a father, too. I love my kids. But you can't govern that way. And they need to stop with these pauses. Stop it. Hamas took these hostages on purpose, knowing, knowing they were going to do this, and Israel, because they value life, was going to comply. No more. After tomorrow, I don't care what they offer, blow these bastards off the face of the earth. I hate to say it. It's not my kid. It may sound insensitive. But, folks, this is war. With that said, here he is, the greatest mayor ever, host 3 p.m. every weekday on this station, a man I love dearly, my friend Rudy Giuliani. Good morning, Rudy. Good morning, uh, Sid. How are you? You know, I was struck by her answer to your question yesterday. And um, 
played it on my show, not to criticize her. I mean, it, it is a legitimate opinion to have. It's the opinion you would expect a loving parent would have. The point that I was trying to make is that in governing, you can't just be a loving parent or a doting father or a doting mother or a good friend. You've got to go- govern for the common good. Uh, otherwise, you, you can lose your whole country. Think about the deal in 2011 when the Israelis gave up 1,205 terrorists for one soldier. Ridiculous. By, by 2014, they had uh, tracked six murders yeah. by the people they released, yeah. uh, three of them teenagers. And by the way, one of the folks that got back already this time. No, no. And Woody, one of the folks that got back already during these most recent hostage swappers, swaps, was the guy that was the mastermind behind October the 7th and has already been, they said he's been in tunnels underground showing little Israeli hostages videos of October the 7th. There's no question about it. Yeah. The the guy Sinwa was was released in 2011. Another guy who who committed six murders thereafter had committed eight murders before. So you take a guy who committed murder eight times and you put him back out. What do you think he's going to do? So you can say, well, I saved one life. But you have to say practically I am costing, I don't know, a thousand terrorists. How many will they kill? A thousand people. Uh, I mean, it could be right. Sure. So you, the, the rule has always been you don't negotiate with terrorists. Second reason is. The minute you do deals like that, this becomes commonplace. So now I'm a terrorist. I take 20 of your people, right? And I say, give me 500 of mine. And let's delay the war. And delaying the war is winning the war for Hamas. Right now, it's going to be very difficult for Bibi to wipe them out. The leadership is in uh, Qatar and several other places. You think Biden has the will to tell Qatar, give me those people? Come on. No way. So the leadership is preserved. What they're doing right now is they're all moving south. And I think that uh, that warning from the White House yesterday tells you whose side they're on. Israel gets a warning. You better conduct the war differently in the south than you did in the north. The reason is Hamas has gone. They've got the time to go to the south. They're hiding there now. So they wanted to conduct the war differently there. And uh, basically, Biden is doing everything he can to preserve Hamas. I think I know why, but uh, it's a it's a really perverse reason. It's because of their loyalty to Iran and to China. Well, I brought this up with Michael Goodwin yesterday, and I just had the same conversation with O'Reilly. I say that Biden is complicit. Uh, O'Reilly said, well, maybe enabled. I don't care what word you use. The point is, he's got blood on his hands. And Michael Goodwin, well, Michael Goodwin yelled at me yesterday, got very angry. Oh, that's a step too far. He's been pro-Israel. What do you mean? Who cares what he said? He, again, loosened restrictions, loosened sanctions, gave him money. He's in bed with the country that funded this attack. How can you not say his hands? I really care now. And like you said, he's asked for for pauses. He's asked for ceasefires. Now he's telling Israel what not to do in the South. This guy is such a lion creep. He makes me sick. Boy, that is very well put, my friend. I (laughs) I really think so. And I'm surprised that my good friend Michael... Because just one act alone will tell you that he's anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, anti-West, giving money to Iran. 
you give money to Iran, you're killing people. You know it, unless you're a, you're a dope. And how about his, his boss, Obama, gave him cash. I mean, I, they, they want a billion dollars, and they tell you, give it to me in cash. You don't know that money's going to terrorists to kill and, Americans and, and, and Jews? And you know how Michael Goodwin explained that away? I said, Mike, it would be one thing if Biden didn't know, but we've known way back to the Jimmy Carter days that Iran hates America and hates the Jews, even before that, by the way. So he knew, he knew where the money was going. He said, well, I'm not arguing he's got bad policy. Bad policy? They're cutting kids' heads off. What are you, nuts? No, this isn't policy. The po- policy is if taxes go up or down. Uh, right. Or, or we, uh, or we extend, <laughs> or, or we, or we extend the time to file form, or, uh, or, or how how are we on the economy? Or this is life and death, and it's not a joke. These people have committed themselves to the destruction of the Jewish people. They want to carry out Hitler's plan. I'm talking now about Iran. Palestine is a, is a pawn for Iran. Iran is the real problem here, and China pushing them. And you cannot do business with a country that wants to destroy your friend and say, you're my friend. I, I can't do business with somebody that wants to kill you, Sid, and tell, tell you I'm your friend. Right. I give the guy money right. so, he can, so he can help, help him kill you? <laughs> what kind of friend is that? <laughs> I, I mean, it's, That's it, why it's, it's such garbage to say he's an enemy of Israel. He might be Israel's biggest enemy right now. Thank you. By not being 100% behind them. Thank you. He could have. They could have destroyed Hamas in five or six days if he had let about 200,000 troops go in all at once, which is what they wanted to do. Uh, Hamas would be gone. The only thing left would be if anybody had the guts to go after them in in uh, Qatar. And I think the Mossad would have taken care of that. Yeah, no, listen, you just well, said it perfectly, I'm too. I, say yeah, that, but I'm not part of the Israeli government. No, I know. But think, I know. You don't think they've already put together a squad? Sure. To get the top guys, of course. I mean, it might take twenty years, but they'll get every damn one of them. Yeah, and that's why you know whether it's Biden or even Mike. You know, Michael, for example, and I don't want to spend too much time on Mike. I happen to like Mike. He's on the show. He's a smart guy. Oh, I love Michael. I think it's. I think he he uh, and Miranda are the two best columnists in the world. I say that all the time. I agree with you, but no, but no, Mike disagree. But Michael thinks because he's critical of Biden or Eric Adams that he's fair, and my and my assessment is. No, it's not true, because in this case, you can't just be critical of Biden. You need to be very critical. You need to call him out for what yeah. he is. Don't tell me he's supporting Israel because he goes on TV. You know what he said to me? He goes, Sid, how can you say he's not supporting Israel? He's got carriers in the ocean. I said, wait a second, wait a second. He gave money to Iran, but a couple of boats in the ocean means that he's okay with Israel? Are you nuts? Come on! Yeah, I mean the guy. The guy is evil. <laughs> he's got he's got boats in the ocean. The Houthis have bombed one of the boats, and he hasn't done a damn thing about it. I mean, we've had we've had fifty nine attacks on on American uh, armed forces. We've replied three times by hitting empty uh, ammunition uh, dumps, and that's exactly what caused nine eleven. I'm convinced that when Bin Laden hit the USS Cole, killed American sailors declared war against us, and Bill Clinton hit an empty field. He said to himself, I can do anything to these paper tigers. They're, they're, they're afraid of war. We're creating that situation right now, and China is watching it very closely. I'm not sure they're going to invade Taiwan 
before he goes out of office, because I don't think they're ready to do it. But they're going to have to make a decision. Should we do it before we're ready? Because we got the right guy in the White House. I don't know. It's going to be a tough decision. Not really. Easy decision. Just do it. Just like everybody else. <laughs> hey, Rudy, before I let you go, I want to ask you about this city. I, I did have dinner. I've become very friendly with Michael Kemper. I like the guy. And, you know, I know there's still crime on the subways and crime all over the city. I, I don't blame yeah. it on Kemper. But, um, you know, he, he's a guy pretty much in charge of protecting this tree lighting tonight. He guaranteed me last night at dinner. Sid, God let me, bless him. You, you like him, too? No, no, I said, God bless him. I heard, I heard what he said. Yeah, no, no, he's a good guy. He, he's a good guy. But overall, overall, with all these pro-pillars thinking about, and these mother efforts blocking bridges, Woody Giuliani, blocking the Manhattan Bridge, blocking the Brooklyn Bridge, I don't know. I feel like if Donald Trump was president, none of these wars would be happening. And if Rudy Giuliani was still mayor, these bastards would not be blocking the bridges. Am I wrong? 100%. They, uh, I mean, I, I went to court to stop him from doing that. Uh, the one time they got to block a bridge, they had to do it between 4 and 6 o'clock in the morning because it would interfere with traffic and with emergency vehicles. And at, promptly at 6 o'clock, we removed all of them. Uh, you're not allowed. I mean, and, and Adams is at a point now, and Bratton warned him of this a couple of days ago. He's getting to numbers where he might not be able to do the job that we're used to because to do what – I did, or what uh, uh, Ray Kelly did. You need numbers. I, mean, I don't go out and do it. You know? And, when you, and, and by the way, when you it. say numbers, Rudy, you're talking about right now with three different elements of criminals, your everyday criminals, your illegals, and your terrorists, you need like forty to 45,000, right? Well, I mean, that would be ideal. Ideal would be 40, 41,000. We hit that once, 41,000. Generally, while I was mayor, we operated with about 38. 38,000 to 39,000 cops. We were at 39,000 cops on September 11th. Uh, uh, and right now, with the crime down over historic numbers, 36, 37 would be perfect, but not 31, 32. And Bratton, Bratton thinks it's going to go below 30. So do I, 28, now, I that think. Would be, yep. That'd be really, that'd be really dangerous. I mean, a lot of things that, I was able to do, I was able to do because I had flexibility with police. I mean, stopping riots, for example, I would put a thousand cops, you know, behind a building. And when the rioters showed up, I show them cops and the rioters would leave. And, and don't buy this stuff when they're in riot gear, it makes them worse. When they're in riot gear, they're urinating in their pants. The Are you sure about Believe that? Me. Because I, I, I get the feeling, Rudy, that when you were in charge, sure. people were scared of cops. I don't think these bastards are scared of cops oh, anymore. You're saying now. Good point. Good point. 2020 may have changed that. You're right. Right. Because they're in charge. The they're in charge. They're going to have to reestablish that. Right. They got, they, of, listen, Rudy. They've got more power than the cops. The cops are, are actually limited in what they can do physically. The criminal can do whatever he wants. How does that make sense? Well, that's why even comparing crime rates uh, doesn't work. Uh, the, the fact that they don't respect cops makes things more dangerous now than when uh, crime was maybe 30% more. Because in those days, at least you could rely on the cop to save you, to help you. Uh, now the cop is basically is a guy who writes down about crime. You know, he can't interfere. He gets there. The guy's dead. He writes up the report, and then we go look for the murderer. 
When I was the mayor, we turned them into proactive. We, my job was to get them there before the crime occurred right. or while the crime was occurring so right. we could stop it. Right. And, uh, but it's totally different now. And when you get down to low numbers, all you become is a recording service for crime. Oh, my God. Not a preventer. Jesus. And well, we, are at, we are at those numbers. Yeah. And particularly for crowd control. Wow. Uh, all I can say, Rudy, is uh, get ready to continue to join me Tuesday mornings like you do now because you're great, but live from Delray Beach. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I am. I want to have a can like you. <laughs> I love you, Rudy. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Right, you're care. so great. You happy too. You Bye-bye. too. What a great job. Man, I'm so happy we have him on every Tuesday, the great Rudy Giuliani. Check him out 3 p.m. every weekday here on WABC. Morning to Hump Day Wednesday with your boy Sid. I'll be right back. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Swear to God, I'm almost... I'm going to make you play it again, Lou. I'm sorry. The Bono thing? No, I, I anticipated that. That Wait. interview with Rudy Giuliani was brought to you by the great Pete Morgan, who loved the Bono stuff earlier this morning. He texted me. Peel the spoilers. What are getting cold out there? Cold like a witch in you. What? That's right. <laughs> so you're going to want to get uh, your new Peerless Spoiler. Get that beast out of your basement and go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. Save money on your heating bills and... The whole thing. You know what I'm saying. And uh, for Christmas, Pete sends you a new boiler and a uh, new teddy for your wife. So, Whoa. You, you mean uh, the guy teddy or the... Uh... Yes, his name is Teddy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's such an idiot. You know, what's the matter with you? I'm clarifying <laughs> things. He just... Okay, leave it up vague. That's fine. <laughs> you want to do that? Fine. So today was an amazing show. Michael Lawler, Curtis Sliwa, Peter King, Monica Crowley, Bill O'Reilly, Rudy Giuliani. I mean, come on. 
How do you how do you beat that? And with all that said, and all those guests were remarkably great, all of them. Maybe the highlight, outside the guests for sure, was Bono coming in this morning. I want to give you the time it was about four thirty a.m. I was drinking water in the back seat of my car, <laughs> making our way from the Gowanus to the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Everybody feels like they're in the car now. With You're you. right with me. <laughs> and um, I'm going through Instagram, you know, and I come across Bono and U2 performing at the Sphere in Vegas. I'm dying to go to this. I don't really want to pay for it, so I'm just saying, you know. I don't think sure. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, I know. Free? Ah, oh, you know. What are you going to reach out to your friend Bono? And <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call Bono today or the Edge. So uh, I'm right here, but uh, who's this S Rosenberg? I'm, okay. Well, so we were kidding around last week with Miranda Devine. Miranda, the great New York Post columnist, is from Australia, and she was killing the lead singer of Midnight Oil. What's his name? Peter Garrett. Right. And he's, that he's a huge six foot seven uh, bald guy. He's amazing to watch on stage. Though. He may be, but you call him a squishy liberal. Le- he's a bit of a lefty, and uh, <laughs> I'm not really in in step with his politics. Exactly. They, they are something of a huge band here in Australia, but he is on these topics that are very, very, very liberal. There you go. So then I brought up Bono, and she said, well, I have to imagine I agreed with her. That Bono is probably feeling badly for everybody. But then I saw this Instagram piece this morning, and he ain't. He is pro-Israel like Sid is pro-Israel. He even used the word anger. And then, oh, what he did then. He took one of the greatest rock and roll songs ever off of the Unforgettable Fire album, Pride, which a lot of you folks know as In the Name of Love. In that song, he talks about the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. You know that. April sky, shot rings out, Memphis sky, I should say. And he changed all that, replaced the date of King to October 7th, and the King assassination to the horrors in Israel. And I've loved Bono, as you know. You even said, Lou described it this morning, as a unique fandom for you two. Now I love them exponentially more, if that was possible. So if you haven't seen this, this is you 2 Bono, at the Sphere in Vegas, telling the world, you 2 we stand with Israel. In the light of what's happened in Israel and Gaza, and a song about nonviolence seems somewhat ridiculous, even laughable, but our prayers have always been for peace and uh, and for non-violence, so... But our hearts and our anger, you know what that's pointed. So sing with us. And those, those beautiful kids of that music festival... October 7, as the sun is rising in the desert sky, stars of David, they took your life. 
See you Monday, folks. Enjoy Lou, Justin, the whole crew tomorrow, John, Curtis, and Andrew. I'll see you Monday. I love you all. You too, in the name of love. One man